following is a presentation of the Outside Lens Radio Network. Recording live from Studio Shanto, outside of Detroit, Michigan, you're listening to Scotty Freytown and Tyler Dean, The Outside Blitz. And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Outside Blitz. I am your host, the fabulous one, Scotty Freytown, along with my co-host, the tenacious, titillating Tyler Dean. Tyler. How we doing? Yeah, we're doing well. Large and in charge here. Week seven in the books. Um, had ourselves a very, very eventful week in the NFL. A few surprises. Mm. Uh, yeah, a, a surprise. Mm. Yeah? Yeah. You don't want to talk about it, do you? <laughs> I, we're good at a second here. My now, blood's boiling. Yeah, yeah. Real, real quick, I, I know this is a football show, but Tyler, I I, I mentioned it late last night. And it's just been bothering me. Uh, the 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 PETA arm barm situation here. Are you as annoyed by that as I am? I just don't care, I, I think. <laughs> it's an arm barn, Tyler. I'm going to eat a lot of steak out of that arm barn. <laughs> arm barn. Arm barn. But we... we <sighs> yeah, I know. But that was the squeaky wheel that apparently needed the grease in, in animals' rights. But I digress. So back to football. We've got week seven in the books. Tyler, are you ready to go through some scores here? Can we go through all but one? Uh, well, no, we got to hit them all, buddy. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I kind of do, though. Well, tough shit. And any- <laughs> Welcome to week seven scores in the NFL. We're going to be starting... With the Browns and the Broncos on Thursday night football, Browns top the Broncos 17 to 14. Kind of, I mean, it, uh, to use an Alex Steele analogy, it's uh, a toothless lion gumming a fucking zebra to death. This was horrible. Two bad quarterbacks. Um, Teddy Bridgewater did not play well. Uh, not Case Keenum did not play well. Uh, as expected. Yeah. They, these are and, and the Browns still pull it out. It was a very defensive, very boring football game. But uh, the, the story in this game, Dearness Johnson coming in and as a backup in, a, in that role was absolutely on fire uh, during this game, wasn't he? He he was. He he surprised the heck out of me, and, and it kind of goes to show is, is I mean Cleveland's kind of a team that can run the ball well, kind of no matter who's there, kind of like a Chiefs or a Ravens. Do you think that, it, given the circumstances, that, that this makes a guy like, for example, Kareem Hunt, does this make Kareem Hunt uh, uh, trade fodder? See, I think it's I think it's Chubb, because Kareem Hunt has already got a, got his long-term contract. Chubb is not. Ah, so Chubb might be out the door. I think you could be seeing Chubb as, as trade baited. It'd be dumb if they let him walk as an unrestricted free agent. They need to trade him if they don't plan on giving him a contract. Right, he's a top runner. He's easily top ten in the in the league when he's healthy. So, I mean, this that could be a, an interesting storyline, especially with the uh, trade deadline around the corner heading into Tuesday. Uh, next up, you got the Chiefs and the Titans. The Titans beat the brakes off the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes looks horrible in this game. You and I were messaging each other uh, as we were watching this game. Mahomes just looked almost he almost looked lazy, didn't he? He did, and and for most of the year, and on this show, I been saying that I I'm discounting this theory that the Chiefs are in trouble because their three losses up to the, up to this week were against teams that are very good and the games that they're allowed to lose to 
Right. But yeah. here's a Titans game that's also a game they're allowed to lose, which is not the fact that they lost this game. It's how they lost. They got clobbered, and, and their star quarterback looked rough. Yeah, he did not look good. And, and I... I starting to think that this may be a situation where it was like a, a contract issue almost where he he got his money and he's almost like meh whatever at the same time you know people have been making excuses for Patrick Mahomes for the last week ever since this game oh he he's got a bad offensive line he's constantly under pressure well I, I did a deep dive on that and all of his offensive linemen are sporting a 65 or higher PFF grade. His O-line's doing fine, and and up to this week, they've still been scoring 30-plus 30, 30 points every week. Yep. And up to this week, it's been a defensive problem, but this week, for the first time, it was a clear offensive issue. Yep, and, and I don't think that it's... Uh, um, I don't think it's an offensive line issue at this point. No, it's not. I, and nor, nor can you blame... Nor is, is can you say that not having Sammy Watkins is the difference here because it, obviously it's not because he wasn't that big of a factor last year. Sammy Watkins isn't that big of a factor to the point where it's going to cause your team to blow up. I think there's. Are they missing a clear number two type of receiver? Absolutely they are, but that's not enough to cause this because they, they haven't had this issue for the first six weeks. Right. I, I think to me, I think there's two issues with this Chiefs team uh, before we move on. I think it's Patrick Mahomes right now. I think he's not playing good ball. And uh, and if the interceptions show it. I mean, this is. I mean, last year he had eight interceptions all year long. Right now, I I think he's sitting at eight right now. So that that kind of says something. But I also think that there's a clear lack of a running game, and this is something that we've talked about with Kansas City Chiefs for like since last year, really since uh, Clyde Edwards-Helaire took over as that that lead back. I don't think Clyde is a lead back. I, I think he's he's a change of pace guy. And they've been trying to, to use him as a, as a lead back, and he's not. I think the Chiefs have lacked a run game when he's on the field, and even worse, when he's off the field. Uh, and, and Edwards Hilaire can't seem to stay healthy. He was a change of pace back in college. He's not a, he's not a lead back. And the Chiefs are trying way too hard to make this guy a lead back. I think that lack of a run game may be affecting Mahomes as well, don't you? I, I think it very well could. I mean, it, it didn't really last year, but... It, it... I don't know. I can't. I can't put my finger on it, but they, 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 Damian Williams backing up Edward Teller, didn't he? Yeah. And, well, and that, you, you got to remember, Damian Williams is the 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 hero of the Super Bowl not too long well, ago. Williams didn't play last year. He opted out. No, he opted out. Who was their backup last year? It was the other Williams. It was the uh, cat that's playing right now. Darren. Yeah, Daryl uh, Williams. Yeah, and and really, the Chiefs haven't been handing the ball off of a lot either. I mean, no, they haven't. It's it's been a lot a lot of pass heavy. It's almost the same thing that we saw from Buffalo in the playoffs last year. And Mahomes is just making all these mistakes that he wouldn't normally make. He's making these throws he'd never even dream of trying to make. Right. So I I don't understand it. Yeah, it's it's a mess right now. Um, but moving forward, next up you got the Packers in Washington. Uh, the Packers beat them twenty four to ten. It it wasn't a really bad game for Washington per se. I think it was just Aaron Rodgers being as good as Aaron Rodgers is. I mean, Taylor Heineke, he did everything in his power to win this game. Him and Terry McLaurin really have a great rapport. And if you look at what Taylor Heineke did in this game, I mean, he had 268 yards and a touchdown, but he also had 10 carries for 95 yards on top of it. Uh, I think a lot of that has to do with Antonio Gibson being hurt uh, currently. I mean, he is dealing with a, a leg fracture. 
So uh, we, what's your takeaway here from this game, Tyler? I mean, is is Heineke? I don't think he looked that bad. Do you? I mean, he looked rough, but I wouldn't say he looked bad per se. I mean, you're playing a good Packers defense team this year, so I, it's kind of it was kind of to be expected. I think Heineke's kind of developing well, despite me being wrong on that. But I think there's that team just needs a lot more help, and, and so there's more. It's goes beyond beyond Heineke. Yeah, I think it does too. Uh, next up, the the big clobbering that that you do not want to talk about. Bengals destroy the Ravens, 41-17. Nobody saw this coming. I sure as hell didn't. I thought it was going to be a shootout. Uh, the big story here: Jamar Chase going off, 201 yards and a touchdown. Uh, wow, what a game for for the Bengals. And this this was a statement game, don't you think? It it was. I think it was more of a statement for the for the Bengals. I I I I don't I don't believe that this. Has any meaning that the Ravens are not a playoff team? For example, I think that would be a far cry of a statement because of last week at the Chargers. I and realistically, the Ravens' pass game was fairly good this week. I the run game just completely fell off the map, and they they, they need to get back to doing that. The passing game wasn't wasn't horrible, but one thing that that does need to be pointed out is Lamar was not accurate in this game. Uh, under 50% completion percentage in that game. So a little rough around the edges in that area. Look, Lamar reminds me of Brady in this aspect. Um, once you get under, because it's, it's a pretty known thing, once you get under Brady's skin, you can make him make mistakes. Right. And and Lamar is very passionate about his, about, about his gameplay, which I appreciate on the same note. When you get under his skin, he gets frustrated and it's obvious. Yeah, definitely. Uh, next up, you've got the Giants beating the Panthers 25-3. to Sam Darnold gets benched in this game uh, after going 16-25 for 25 for 112 yards and a pick. Uh, and Phillip Walker comes on the field. He doesn't do much better. It was it was almost like Nate Peterman walked onto the field. Three <laughs> completions on 14 attempts. Uh, just a miserable experience for that young man. But, uh, yeah, the, the Panthers can't seem to get anything going. And then there's Daniel Jones, who was the best receiver, running back, quarterback on that entire football team. I, they badly, Giants badly need uh, Barkley back. And it sounds like he's close. Yeah, it sounds like he's close. I know a lot of, they've been like a sick ward in the when it comes to their receivers. So, I mean, hopefully the Giants will get somebody back. They've got a tough go uh, ahead of them, especially this upcoming week. Uh, next up, you got the Falcons beating the Dolphins, thirty to twenty-eight. This was actually a fun game to watch. I I thought, you know, it, I know these guys are kind of bottom of the barrel teams, but offensively they looked good. Jalen Waddle looked good. Kyle Pitts was the big story in this one, though. I mean, a lot of fun. It was a good game. It was Kyle Pitts starting to really come alive. It's, it's, it's been fun to watch it. I don't think we're in, we're in the category of talking with him being like the best tight end in football yet, but I mean it's I mean he's not far off from making that statement because a lot of the best ones are kind of falling off. Yeah, I I know that they played like a really bad Dolphins defense, which we we know the Dolphins aren't really the the you know powerhouse defense, and they haven't been for quite some time, in spite of the fact that Xavier Howard is is around. But one thing I, I do want to point out is this is like one of those games that we kind of expected from Kyle Pitts for all the, the love he got and all the notoriety he got for being like some sort of physical specimen. Everybody talked about Kyle Pitts and, and how great he was going to be and how he's a once-in-a-generation talent and all this stuff. 
And I didn't see it. I, like, I know he had a couple of good games, but I didn't really see like that output, that Tony Gonzalez level output that I expect out of tight ends uh, that are, are that go number four overall in the entire draft. But here we are, Kyle Pitts, and he goes just ham on the Dolphins here. This is the type of statement game that you expect from this guy to, sh- to finally like say, hey, I'm here. And uh, does this is this the beginning for Kyle Pitts here? Is this what what really gets him to the next level? Do you think? I think it is. I think he's going to continue to make a step in that direction. He's going to kind of serve as that team's number one, which will benefit Calvin Ridley. Yeah, I think so too. Calvin Ridley, he had uh, ten targets on the day, but only four receptions. And one thing I do want to point out about the Falcons here is I don't think Arthur Smith knows what he has in Calvin Ridley. I mean, what I was seeing him do. And the way he was he was uh, uh, running his routes, I mean, there were a lot of short, like really tiny little out routes that, that Calvin Ridley was running that I was wondering, why is this guy not going deep at all? Why is he not going over the middle at all? These are Those were not Calvin Ridley-esque routes that we've seen over the last four years here. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of shades of how Steelers were using Juju last year. Yeah, I, I think he was he's just blatantly misused over there. It just it's kind of rough. I'm I'm not a fan of how they're. Using I think there's a there's a level of being misused, and I think there's also a level of, and it's there's nothing wrong with this. And it's it's starting to show that Ridley's not the type of number one receiver to where he can be the only talent on the team. I think I think he can be. I just don't think he's properly utilized. I, I think Arthur Smith. I mean, like I said, I I don't think he was used down the field as much as he should be. I think Arthur Smith has is, is just kind of lost touch of, uh, like, and I understand they, they do a lot of, like, running the football. That's an Arthur Smith type thing. I get that. That's his coaching style. We like power run. But he doesn't have a power running back over there, and he needs Calvin Ridley to be a star, and he's not allowing him to be a star. He's really crippling him as far as, like, what he can do out, out on the field and, and the routes he's running. And, and I, I'm not a fan. I don't think he's utilizing uh, Calvin in the way he should be used. Uh, over there in Atlanta, but the Falcons still pull one out, 30 to 28 over the Dolphins. They get it done on the last second second field goal from Young Way Koo. So, and I actually, funny enough, I was listening to a uh, an old episode of of this show, and um, you know the the spelling of Young Way Koo is Young Ho. Who Young Ho Koo? We were calling him Young Ho Koo, which I thought was very funny. Um, next up, Patriots beat the Jets 54 to 13. This one was, it was sort of a surprise. Uh, Zach Wilson goes down in this game, but Mac Jones kind of, I mean, he led his team and he did a good job with it. Uh, n- nothing crazy, but 307 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, he had himself a game, so did Damian Harris in this one. Uh, is Damian Harris emerging as a number one back here, Tyler? I think he kind of is. He's, he's, been, he's been playing like, like he's the best New England running back in the last decade. Yeah, yeah, I... I Pleasantly surprised. Pleasantly surprised with Damian Williams there. I, I or I'm sorry, uh, Damian Harris there. I, I like him a lot. I think he's he's a good young running back that Bill Belichick kind of needs to lean into. I know he likes his quarterback and that's great. Mac Jones still needs time to develop. I think I think you can lean into Harris a little bit, don't you think? I think he can. Yeah, this this offense might be predicated on how well he does on the on a daily basis, and this this is like a first really good breakout game for him. So, I'm I'm impressed with him. Next up, you got the Raiders beating the Eagles, 33 to 22. The Raiders, I mean, Derek Carr looked lights out in this game. 
He really did. Are really, we looking at a playoff team? Yeah, I think we're looking at a playoff team. I, I mean, given given everything that went on with Gruden, barring a really major setback, uh, I mean, Carr looked great. Very, very accurate in this game. He only missed on three passes out of 34. I mean, that's huge. And uh, Josh Jacobs did go down in this game, but Kenyon Drake stepped up really well in, in his absence on, on limited touches. So, I mean, I think we're talking about a playoff team. Uh, as for the Eagles, I, I, eh, I think Jalen Hurts, he, he needs some work. Devontae Smith has not been the, the breakout receiver that everybody made him out to be. Uh, and frankly, I, I'm not completely sold on him. Uh, are, you, are you sold on Devontae Smith still? No, he's 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 been hit or miss. He's kind of been, been like a boomer bust kind of guy, and, and they need more consistency than that. Yeah, I don't think he gets enough, nearly enough targets, and uh, they they need to start targeting him more because I I was watching him going, huh, this guy's damn near non-existent in this game. So I I really think that that Jalen Hurts needs to develop a rapport with him, or the Eagles need to find themselves a another receiver or b another quarterback. But Devontae Smith, to me right now, he looks like a number two. Um, next up, you got the Rams and the Lions. The Rams beat the Lions 28-19. Fun fact about this game, though, the Lions held the lead going into the fourth quarter, which was a little nerve-wracking if you're... Uh, this was a weird game. I, I, I don't understand it, but but uh, Stafford did do what, what he's capable of doing, and, and, and he um, kept his head in the game and got the job done. Yeah, Stafford, uh, I mean, you saw mo- so many times when the Lions would be... You know, down in the fourth quarter, and Stafford would would you know fire back, and he would be so short, you know, during those games throughout the years, and it would be oh, you know, we get down to the five yard line, and we can't we can't punch it into the end zone for the W. Well, in this situation, Stafford goes into the fourth quarter, and he's down, and he fires off eleven unanswered points in the fourth quarter to to pull out the W. Cooper Cup and him are, and, and now Robert Woods really has been getting into the swing of things. But they have a great rapport. And Matt Stafford, again, we've been saying it all season. He looks like a star. He's treated like a star. He's acting like a star. And I, I think the Rams, I, I I know we're looking at a playoff team there. Unless, barring like some major injury setback, I think the Rams, they're, they're about as dangerous as anybody in the NFC, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, next up, but uh, one thing I want to add though is when it comes to the Lions, though, even though we've kind of seen it earlier in the year, like the, like the team rallying behind Campbell and and, and playing hard in games. Yeah. What I what I'm gonna say what we got for the first time was almost quite literally biting kneecaps. It, I mean, they came out the game fucking strong. Like they go they they had they had the onside kick, they had the fake punt. They, they they're just they're, they're in no fucks given though, and that could be a problem for teams in the back end of the season. Yeah, there, there's there's going to be some weird wins, and there's going to be some draft day spoilers where where the Lions are are really making teams drop off on the early round draft picks and later on in the season, or or even on the late round draft pick. I mean, they they could really be screwing people here. They could be be screwing big name teams on their their uh, uh, their seeding for the playoffs. I mean, there, there's all kinds of stuff that the Lions could be capable of. We've but for the Lions' sake. I hope they don't screw themselves. Yeah, the, well, and there's there's so many tight games that they've had. They've, they've had the tight game against the, against the Ravens, the tight game against the Vikings, both field goal games. Same they've score. Had, what was that? This is a fun fact. It was also the same score. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and they, they've had 
these these games where they're going into the fourth quarter leading. I mean, they they've really had some good games. I think outside of the Bengals game, the Lions games have all been decently tight. We're going into the fourth quarter. So, oh, and and obviously week one against the Niners, where the Niners just kind of teed off on them. Yeah, and then even then that one got close at the end. It got close so, at the end. Yeah, so I mean, the Lions are keeping it close in a lot of these games. I. I think they might be like a few really good players away from being competitive, which is crazy for me to think about given their current situation. It's why it's why I think that Campbell might be the coach. He might be, and and a lot of people have been crapping on him because they're they're you know we're all in seven and whatever else. No, forget all that for now. You get like, this. Like this will be a bad year because like Lions have historically like held on to coaches much longer than they should. This would be a bad year to actually listen and do the opposite. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and that's like one. actually give him the, the the amount of time and patience you gave Patricia. Yeah, they, I think you'll be fine. Had Patricia way too much patience, and then before him, you know, you had a coach going nine and seven, ten and six, making playoffs, all kinds of stuff. And then now nah, you're gone. Yeah, you know, so Campbell can get you there. Just be patient. Yeah, you got to be patient with Dan Campbell. I I agree with that. Uh, next up, you got the Bucks dominating the Bears 38-3. to I mean, we expected this. I expected this. Uh, Justin Fields looked absolutely awful in this game, really living up to the name Bustin Fields. Uh, but the, the guy that I think that really impressed me in this game was Khalil Herbert. 100 yards against the number one rush defense in the league. He's he's a, technically a backup running back, but personally I think this guy could be a bell cow back. What's your thought on him? And, and, you know, we talked about him. Yep. We, we're talking about him over the weekend. I, I think he's got a chance to be something good. He, he played very very well against against a, a, a good Bucks defense. And I I think there's, there's a situation. I, I, I'd have to look at Mount Gummy's contract. I, I don't think he's on a long-term contract. I don't think he is either. If he is, then I think Herbert is the one that's out the door. But if he's not, I, I think you're looking at a situation where the Bears, who are rebuilding, are, are – um, could and should good should go with the guy that you're gonna, you're gonna you'd be paying less because you would be paying Herbert significantly less. Yeah, my my issue with with David Montgomery and and so he's got two years left on his deal. He's he's still on a rookie deal. He's got 2021 and 2022 left. Here's my issue with and and he's getting paid very a very small amount really. I mean we're we're talking one million and one point two. But if I'm if I'm looking at David Montgomery's situation, when he's hot, he's hot. Let's let's be real. When David Montgomery is really hot, he's really really hot. He he tore it up all late last season. We we saw him do that, and early on in the season he was hurt for a majority of the year. So I mean, like, I have questions about the durability of David Montgomery because there's been an injury in every season he's been in this league, and now here we are with this kid Khalil Herbert, who's a late round draft pick, who is just tearing it up. You don't got to pay the guy a ton. I mean, I see a guy, and, and granted, we're three games in. He's had three really good games in that stretch. I see a guy who can be a bell cow back for cheap, and we, we again, the sample size is small. We'll see what he does throughout the next couple of weeks. If he keeps going on this pace, though, I mean, I think you're you're talking about Khalil Herbert being your number one running back. If he can do that against the Bucks. I mean, imagine what he could do with give, given a full workload, and imagine what that guy can do if you get a viable quarterback that isn't named Justin Fields. 
So, I mean... And, and that's very well possible. But I think the one clear and obvious thing here is Damian Williams is going to find himself on the wrong end of a, of a love triangle. Yeah, I think Damian Williams is headed out the door. That's where I think he's going. Uh, next up, you got the Cardinals dominating the Texans. This was to be expected. Cardinals doing Cardinal things here, uh, and they advanced to 7-0 on the, on the season here. Davis Mills looks rough, but the Texans, they have come out and said that they believe Davis Mills can be the guy that takes him to the promised land. Tyler, do you think with the proper development that Davis Mills will be the guy? No, I don't. Yeah, I, I want I want to I want to believe so, but I, I don't think so. I thought Davis Mills. So when when we were talking about the draft stuff and the combines and stuff like that, and I watched that Stanford combine and and I, or the pro day, and and he looked damn good. Davis Mills did. I think he's in a really bad situation. I think he's in a place where he can't excel. I think the Texans right now are a dumpster fire, and they look like the Cleveland Browns of old, where these great college quarterbacks that would have been good just about anywhere else are coming in and, and you know, uh, dying here. So, I mean, we, we have that. I, I, I see Davis Mills, and, and I see a guy that could be good. I just don't know if he will be good. Okay. I, I think that, I mean, if there's any chance of him being good, I, I don't think it's in Houston. I don't, I agree. I think if he goes anywhere else, he might be successful. But Houston is not the place to be right now. I think he needs a proper coach that, that can that can develop him. Exactly. Uh, next up, you got the Colts beating the Niners 30-18. to 18. I mean, this was a good game. Fun to watch. Didn't expect uh, this outcome. For a lot of folks didn't. I expect, I called the Colts to win, if I'm not mistaken. But, uh, Jonathan Taylor looks good as per the norm. Carson Wentz get very game managey, but still gets it done. Uh, I, I mean, really a, a good game for the Colts. They handled everything really effectively. Eli Mitchell does what Eli Mitchell does. Debo Samuel does what Debo Samuel does. I mean, we it was it was a tough game, but the Colts get it done, thirty to eighteen. The, the Colts played a game like they want everyone to remember that they they still have a shot for the playoffs here. Yeah, do you think the Colts could make the playoffs here? Do you think they have a reasonable they shot? They could, but I think the AFC is going to get tight. Yeah, that's why I'm at. I think the AFC is is pretty rough. Because you got you because right at this moment you got Colts, Chiefs, Steelers, Browns out. Yeah. Well, Steelers I, might be in. Steelers might be in, but Steelers regar- yeah. regardless. Yeah, they they might be on the cusp here. <laughs> but you have a lot of teams fighting for a couple of spots. It's going to get interesting. Yeah. And last but not least, Monday Night Football, Saints and Seahawks. Saints beat them 13-10. to 10. Uh, I, I'm not sure how I feel about this game, to be honest with you. Geno Smith, uh, I, I don't think he's the guy. I don't think he's the guy in Seattle. Uh, and, and I I mean, nobody thought that when he came in. He And I believe Pete Carroll is playing scared. I really do. And Alex Collins, he just kept feeding him the ball, and the Saints knew that, that – he was playing scared. What's crazy to me is that Geno Smith backed up into the pocket and threw an 84-yard strike to DK Metcalf for a touchdown, and Pete Carroll did not ride that hot streak at all. Then that—that's what what gets me about about this this situation. Pete Carroll doesn't trust Geno Smith. I don't blame him, but at the same time, if Geno Smith comes out firing and he he puts up an 84-yard touchdown on the fourth play from scrimmage, why in the hell? Are, are you not letting the guy do what he's going to do? I mean, 
Am I crazy here for thinking this? No, way? you're you're not. And what all it's doing is 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 it's shooting Gino's confidence in the in the, in the foot too, and and he knows it when he's out there. When you put him back out there, it's it's a it's a bad remedy all around. Yeah, I mean, he handed the ball off. Like, I mean, we're talking three times in a row with when the Seahawks didn't have a lead, they needed to drive down the field, and instead of giving Geno Smith the opportunity to throw the football. He goes with Pete Carroll goes with this conservative play call stuff and just hands the ball off over and over and over and over again to Alex Collins, which really didn't do anything. Alex Collins only had 35 yards and a 2.2 average on the day. So I don't understand the the illogical play calling, and it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It's not very Pete Carroll. Yeah, I, I think Pete Carroll didn't show a lot of balls in this game. I, I don't. It was just not his thing. Now, one guy that did show a lot of balls was Alvin Kamara, man. Ten receptions, 128 yards. Uh, Jameis looked okay. He didn't look great. But, man, Kamara, really, I mean, you could tell C- Seattle really keyed in on Alvin Kamara running the football. But receiving-wise, they could they had not no answer if their life depended on it. I mean, 51 yards on the ground, 128th in the year for Alvin Kamara. That's crazy talk. So... There's our Monday night score, and those are your scores for uh, week seven in the NFL. Now, Tyler, we're going to be going into um, to Tyler's top ten momentarily here, but I, I you, you have this is a, a treat for me, okay? Because <laughs> you've heard me when the Vikings really get pounded into the ground, go off. Uh, now, I want to hear about these Ravens, and I want you to tell me what your feelings are after watching that game. So a lot of people think I'm going to completely go off the handle here, but I'm not. I think the offense is still in a good spot. It's still one of the best offenses in the league. A lot of people talked about how the run game is falling off the map, but realistically, let's, let's be honest. The, the game got out of hand. Of, of course, the run game was, wasn't going to be utilized. Right. It was always going to happen once the game got out of hand. The issue with this game, and, it's, and it's, it was the biggest issue this week, but it's been an issue every week, but it, but it, it showcased itself in the worst kind of way this week, and that's the fucking defense. This defense can't – you watch the game. You watch the the whole game. They cannot tackle. They missed so many tackles they had no business missing. Every single player. Yep. There was, there um, was, that's there was, not very John Harbaugh-like. It's not very – it's not Ravens defense right there. It's a, that you, you don't ever th- um, put Ravens defense in inability to tackle the same conversation ever. Right. Now, granted, yes, there's a lot of injuries. Ravens are operating with, with the most players in injury reserve in the entire league. Does it have, have, a, have a play in things? Absolutely, it does. And we talked about this where the Ravens probably weren't going to be a top five defense because of that, and it's looking that way. But the Ravens are good on depth, and and, and but no matter what, if you're a, if you're a, if you're a defensive player in this league, not being able to tackle should not be an issue. Yeah, if if you're gonna, and, and that's one thing. It, it was it was a huge issue. I mean, you heard me bitch about it last year. Uh, guys making open field tackles. It's it's one of the most frustrating things in the world when when you have an open field tackle. There's all kinds of green behind you, and you got a running back or a receiver running directly at you, and you can't bring him down. An open field tackle, you need to make those tackles, especially when, you know, a lot of guys, I don't understand what this new logic is where, where guys just don't close. Close in on the guy you're trying to bring down. You have to. And, and, and I saw that. There's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of hate on, on Marlon Humphrey, and yeah, Humphrey got burnt by, by Chase on Sunday. There's oh, no yeah. ifs, ands, or buts about it. He's yeah. still one of the he's still one of the best corners of this league, if, if if not the best. And but the but what I will say is, of Chase's 200 yards, 
I'll say about 80 of those yards were not at the fault of of Humphrey, but on the on the fact that three Ravens couldn't tackle him on what, what, I'm, what was basically a Lamar move. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know the play I'm talking about. I mean, and, and but even even Humphrey himself was caught not not tackling properly. It was it was it was mind boggling to, to see this whole team just completely just collapse defensively. And that's the biggest and that's the, the key issue of this game. And, and it's not and it's not special to just this game. It happened in pretty much every week. There's, there's these big plays they've let in because they, they can't they can't freaking tackle a guy. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's that's one of the, the big problems right now for the Ravens is the the uh, the tackling situation. I'm currently kind of scrolling through the the defensive rankings here for the uh, the NFL, and the Ravens are surprisingly low. Um, understanding there's a few teams that have only played six games, I get that. The, you know we we haven't made it completely through the bye weeks, but the Ravens right now, wow. According to uh, ESPN, we're talking in the 20s defensively mm-hmm. for the Ravens. We we haven't seen that. I I don't think I've. I've seen that since the Ravens first came into the league, which uh, that's that's crazy to me. So Tyler, we got it's the weird. Uh, you're talking about a low twenties defense and a top four offense. Like, what, what is this team? Right, <laughs> right. It, it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, we we always heard defense wins championships. Defense wins championships. Well, you know, and and uh, so the Ravens have proven that to be true on multiple occasions. But man, in a, in, a, in, a, in a year when we're also top ten in passing, yeah, who would have thought that we were? were you remember two years ago we were just slamming Lamar for for a lack of accuracy. This is no longer a Lamar. I mean, granted, he wasn't he wasn't um very accurate this week, but this is no longer a Lamar problem. Anyone still calling it a Lamar problem isn't paying attention. Yeah, it's not a Lamar problem. It hasn't but, been. A- Lamar's actually developed better than most quarterbacks have going from a running quarterback to we talked about last week. He's, he's developing into more of a Russell, which is fantastic. Yep. That's but the, the, the issues here run deeper and, and injuries are, are probably half of it, but yeah. Fin, fin, finish your, finish your drives guys. Yep. And, and Lamar uh, running the football this week. I mean, he still put up 88 yards on the ground. I think that, that, tells you a lot about really and it's a commendable job by the Bengals defense as well. Absolutely. You know, they they've been had one of the most red hot defenses in the league uh this season, which is uh, I mean, that also blows me away that they're they're nearing top 10 level here. So, I I mean, the the, the teams above them, Tampa, Green Bay, New Orleans, San Francisco, Denver, Arizona, Carolina, Cleveland, Buffalo. That's wild to me. So, um, with that, Tyler, we are going to go ahead and uh, take a quick break, and then we're going to jump in uh, with some very uh, fun stuff as far as Tyler's Top 10, Freytown's uh, Forgotten and Forgetful 5. We're going to do our rookie rankings. We're going to talk about the predictions for this upcoming week, a crazy week. We're going to be doing football on Halloween, so that'll be entertaining. Yep. Um, so we'll be right back uh, right here on the Outside Blitz. At It's Your Time Massage, you get all the benefits of one of the larger massage chain parlors, but in a more intimate and personal setting. With four years' experience, massage therapist and owner Amanda Yata's goal is to help people in a natural way, offering Swedish deep tissue, pregnancy, aromatherapy, and sports massages. You will feel better and have more energy in just one hour. 
It's Your Time Massage is offered in-home, Amanda's or yours, with the rates ranging from $55 to $130. You get professional quality at an affordable rate. Contact Amanda today at 313-686-4347 or online at IYTMassage.com. It's Your Time Massage, a natural way to improve your well-being. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Outside Blitz. Uh, I'm your host, the fabulous one, Scotty Freytown. Tyler missed his cue, so I'm going to go ahead and take over. Um, I, I wasn't sure because that's not us- our usual uh, break there, so I wasn't sure if, you're, if we we're going to do it there or not. So you know what? Screw off. <laughs> so I'm bringing it in. <laughs> Scotty Freytown along with the tenacious, titillating Tyler Dean. Tyler, um, so we, we did our scores here, and uh, I know you've got a uh, – a handful of players for the uh, old top 10 here. So let's get right down to business for Tyler's Top 10. Tyler's Top 10. And uh, Tyler, I we had some fun offensive performances this week. You made this one a little difficult for me. I had to go digging for Freytown's Forgotten Five. So yeah, it was it was a fun week, but it wasn't as obnoxiously overpowering offenses like Week Five. Oh yeah, Week Five <laughs> out of control. Uh, but this week, week Five got silly. Yeah, yeah, it was outrageous. But we, I probably could have done a top twenty, and you still be able to find five, find five uh, that week. We 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 had some. It was a lot more down to earth, but at the same time, we still had some really great performances this week. So uh, hit me with them. All right, number 10 is Damian Harris. We kind of talked to him about him a little bit. 14 carries, 106 yards, and two touchdowns. Yeah, Harris looking like a, a number one back, man. This uh, <clears throat> A lot of people predicted he was going to be, uh, you know, a top back. We, we saw him, I mean, even in a lot of fantasy groups, you know, you saw Damian Harris listed relatively high for a guy who really didn't find his stride until late last season. But I like Damian Harris. I think he's a good young back. I think he's only 24 years old, so he's got a lot of tread left on the tires. I mean, New England should be running through, running their offense through Damian Harris at this point, don't you think? I think they should. He's, he's kind of showcasing that he's got the ability, and, and he's keeping up on that hot streak that he had late in the year last year. Yep, I, I like it a lot. I mean, he, started, he got a slow start this year. I mean, I, I know he did, but ultimately – He's becoming uh, a true bell cow back, which you got to love. Number nine, Kyle Pitts, seven receptions, 163 yards. Huge game for Pitts. We, we talked about him a little bit earlier. This is one of those games where we were that we were waiting for. Um, for all the fanfare and, and the notoriety that Kyle Pitts has got over the course of the last you know several months here, uh, leading into the draft too. I mean, when we were when we were going into the draft, everybody was talking about him. Like I said, he's a generational talent, and he's a workout freak, and he's a gym rat, and he's he's a physical specimen, and all this other stuff. I really was waiting for a true breakout game from Kyle Pitts, where he looks like a top tight end, like a real number one, top ten tight end in this league. And we we hadn't gotten it from him yet. We we'd gotten some good performances. Now, understanding, like I said, you're taking on a, a shoddy Miami defense. So I, I'm 
I'm about 163 yards from a tight end. It's kind of a, a different animal there. You know, it, it's a, that's a whole different level of good because 163 yards, even against the worst defenses, that's like Travis Kelsey level play. So we did get a really good breakout game for Kyle Pitts there. I'm, I'm with you on that. Well, let's be honest, uh, even more so than, Kyle, than uh, Kelsey, uh, this guy's basically a wide receiver. Yeah, yeah, he, he's built like one. He's definitely, he's, he's built like one. He runs like one. I mean, he's faster than hell. I don't know, uh, I, I haven't really checked on his, his blocking. You know, I'd, I'd have to look at his blocking grades. But ultimately, you know, like, I think you're right. I think he kind of plays out like a wide receiver three for, for them. Or actually, in, right now, it's more or less like a wide receiver two because they don't really have much of anything else over there. So, I mean, it's, or what was it, the other guy, Orlando Zacchaeus or something like that, I think is the guy's name. So, yeah, that's that's kind of what we're dealing with as far as Kyle Pitts goes. He's basically wide receiver two over there. Um, you know, and if they, they really come out with a, a guy who's going to wind up being a true wide receiver two, which I think that's what they're going to go fishing for in the draft, then – he might wind up as wide receiver three slash tight end one. Right. Number eight, DeAndre Swift, 144 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown. Swift makes your list. I think this is the first time he's made your list. It uh, is. It's a, it's a debut for him. And I got to tell you, I, I, I was talking about how I felt like last week DeAndre Swift was being misused in the Detroit scheme. And he really – he has been, um, you know, like they, they haven't used him much out of the backfield. He's been used as more of a change of pace back. He was really a bell cow back in college. And to be honest, I think he should be a bell cow back all the time. I don't think this change of pace thing works for him. He's got the speed. He's got the ball control. He, he had some fumble rooskies in, in uh, college, but he, he's cleaned those up from what I can tell. Swift should be the every down back here. I don't understand the the uh, idea that we, we should be focused on Jamal Williams at all. I don't like every team's got this two back thing going on. I mean, I, I still like Jamal Williams. I still believe that Jamal Williams could be a starter in this league. I But I, I don't like the, how many teams have gone to the split back system and in, 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 on the short life they already have and use them. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for, for uh, Jamal Williams to wind up uh, as, as you know, he's getting all of these touches that he really shouldn't be getting, to be honest. And, and Jamal Williams, I, I agree with you. He can be an every down back. And I think he could be an every down back in the right system. I think he's in the wrong place right now to be an every down back. You take a guy like Jamal Williams and you stick him in Philadelphia. I think we're having a whole different conversation. You stick him in Baltimore. I think we're having a whole different conversation. But I mean, he, he shouldn't be getting the touches he's getting right now. Not before DeAndre Swift. Swift has had some durability issues, so it is nice to have Jamal Williams sitting behind him. But at the same time, I mean, Jamal Williams, I mean, he's not DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift is the better running back, at least in this system. And I don't think Jamal Williams should be – DeAndre Swift shouldn't be conceding touches as much as he has been to Jamal Williams. Agreed. Number seven, Aaron Rodgers, 27-35. 274 yards and three touchdowns. And no, we are not talking about Thursday night football. Yeah, no, uh, Aaron Rodgers doing what Aaron Rodgers does. <clears throat> this is this is one of those times when Aaron Rodgers, uh, I, I mean, he just decides, eh, 
I'm just going to light somebody up. And again, you know, we get this, this uh, Washington defense that we expected to be really incredible this year, having another meh performance, <clears throat> allowing the Packers to put up 24 on them. Rodgers has himself a great game, throws three touchdowns, 274, spreads the ball out nicely, gets Robert Tanyan involved, gets Alan Lazard involved, gets Devontae Adams involved. I mean, this is this is Aaron Rodgers doing what Aaron Rodgers does. And, and Aaron Rodgers right now, I mean, the Packers, uh, once again, because of Aaron Rodgers, looking like a threat here to the NFC. I mean, and they always look like a threat. I want to see what happens when Aaron Rodgers actually goes out the door. But this was Aaron Rodgers doing uh, for sure. And he's the he's the guy that's been keeping them alive in this conference and, and in the playoff hunt. So, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, spot on. Number six, D. Ernest Johnson. 22 carries, 146 yards, and a touchdown. In the world of, like, unexpected blow-ups, D. Ernest Johnson, and especially against the Broncos, the Broncos' defense has notoriously been good, and I know that they're they're missing some pieces, but they've been notoriously good against the run. And Dearness Johnson, even though this game was a lot closer than it should have been, if I were the Browns, I would have just been handing the ball off all day long to Dearness Johnson. He got 22 carries. I, I mean, if it was me seeing the hot hand that he was having and, and how he was playing, I would have just given him the ball 30 times and just let him do what he's going to do because the Broncos had zero answers for the guy. He looks like an every down back, and whether or not that's a, a, a testament to Stefanski or whether that's a testament to, you know, uh, Dearness Johnson, I mean, we don't know. But I, I want to see if Dearness Johnson, and we'll see if he starts this week. Nobody knows who's going to be the, the starting running back. Chubb has been listed as active as one piece of breaking yeah. news. And, and Chubb is. So I guess the bigger question is does Dearness Johnson fill the cream hunt void or will they go full on Chubb or do they do they have Nick Chubb on a pitch count does Dearness Johnson take over that job will they let Chubb recover for one more week I mean there's there's questions there it's a it's a good problem to have for Cleveland though having Dearness Johnson and and now so let's say the bill or the Browns rather they get rid of Dearness Johnson at the end of the season or let's say he goes to free agency do you think he gets signed on as an every down back? Or is this going to be an, another Alfred Morris situation where he blows up and nobody, nobody. Well, this wouldn't be quite an Alfred Morris situation. Alfred Morris was, I'm going to put up 1400 yards twice and then become a backup. Yeah, no, I, but you get what I'm saying. Like the, this guy, he's shown that he can be a number one back somewhere. I think, uh, I don't think, I don't think there's a, a team out there that isn't looking over and going, Hey, that Dearness Johnson guy. You know, especially with the trade deadline being here. I mean, imagine Dearness Johnson playing the way he's playing, going to a place like Buffalo. How, it's a possibility. How, how spectacular. But it's, also, but, it's, but it's also ballsy to make any major trade for a guy who's done it in one game. In one game. You know, that's that's going to be the, the big question. How big of a risk are teams willing uh, to take? I, I, I call that Matt Flynn syndrome. Uh, yeah, I would take a, a risk on him just because of the fact that I, I – what I saw, and, and 143 yards, like I said, is nothing to sneeze at. I mean, or 100, was it 149? 146. Yeah, 146. I mean, a huge number. That's a, a huge, huge number. 146 yards on 22 carries and a touchdown with a 6.6 average against the Broncos. That, I think, says something. 
So, uh, yeah, to me, Dearness Johnson, I think he should start just to keep Chubb healthy. I think he should start this week and then, you know, come out, you know, week nine. If they're, I, yeah, I think they, they play in week nine. So they can come out on week nine and trot Chubb, Chubb back out there and see how he does. But I would give Chubb one more week of rest, especially when you got a guy like Dearness Johnson who's red hot. So maybe that's just my opinion, though. Time will tell. Number five. Matt Staff, <coughs> excuse me, Matt Stafford, twenty for forty-one, three thirty-four yards and three touchdowns. Matt Stafford looking like a star still. He just he's looking like like Matt Stafford. I, I he and understanding he tore up the Lions, so I mean it's nothing to like super write home about. But I mean they were down in this game. The Lions have been playing teams tough in spite of the fact that they are they are winless this year. They are still playing teams tough. Uh, I mean, it's Matt Stafford doing doing things, and this is a, a good revenge game for him. Screw the Lions. You ruined my life for 12 years. I'm going to go out and beat you. Great game by Stafford. Him and Cooper Cup have a rapport that I just love. Stafford has been consistently bent on this list. I mean, I, I have yet to stick him on the, the forgetful. He's jumped on, this, the, on Tyler's top 10 a number of times. I think he's jumped on the forgotten once. Yeah, Stafford, he's a stud right now and i think this is like a whole new world for him being successful in uh, the nfl you know in a place where they they treat him like he should be treated and and give him the proper play calls and the proper guys around him in the proper system so this is great for him and i agree he should be on this list after this week's performance but you know speaking of matt stafford mm-hmm. number four is a guy that's it's helping make matt stafford look very good or maybe Matt Stafford's making him look good. Cooper Cup, 10 receptions, 156 yards, and a pair of touchdowns. We know when Cooper Cup is healthy, he's great. And But even healthy, up to this point, he's never been the better, the best receiver on that team. But now, here we are, and I still believe that um, through and through, Robert Woods is the better player. But the rapport that Cup and Stafford have right now is remarkable. Yeah, the uh, the off-season reports all said that Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup used to sit next to each other every day during during film study. And they ate lunch together and they talked and they hung out. These guys are like really really close good friends here. And it shows. You know, and, and they get they he gets Robert Woods involved in this game still. I mean, Robert Woods had 6 for 70. I think Robert Woods to me, I still think he's the better receiver. But they like using Robert Woods in a lot of different like gadget plays and things like that. Robert Woods takes some like every now and then he'll get a reverse and take a run out of the backfield. Just something ridiculous that you wouldn't expect. But I, I mean, Cooper Cup right now, he's he's obviously he's the clear cut number one because of the rapport that, that Stafford and him have. But when Robert Woods gets hot, he gets hot. We, we saw it a few weeks ago. Robert Woods goes for 150 yards. So I think. Stafford has kind of a plethora of weapons at his disposal. They could really use a true wide receiver three. I don't think Van Jefferson, I mean, he doesn't scream wide receiver three to me, but I thought he did in the off season, but he's not, but in the plays, it doesn't, it's not coming to fruition. Yeah. He, he doesn't scream wide receiver three to me anymore. I, I, everybody talked about him and, and I, everybody talked a big game. He, he really, I mean, he gets a, a couple of touches or a couple of targets his way, but he just doesn't scream it. I think Cooper Cup is is the clear cut number one. If they get a true number three over there, I I think it could really maximize Cup's potential. I think they had it. I think I think I 
and I could be wrong, but I feel like Reynolds was was that fit. And he could have very well been. Uh, I I like, but I do like Cooper Cup in this situation. I, as long as he's healthy, he's going to wind up being one of the best receivers in the league. He was that way when he was with Goff, and and a lot of health concerns. But now it seems like this year, so far, you know, and knock on wood for him, he's been healthy. And when he's healthy, he's he's top notch. So. I think right now he's – I believe he's the number one receiver in the league currently. So, I believe he is. Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's a huge deal. So, yeah, Cooper Cup, tearing it up. I love it. And, uh, you know, I, you, I think you were saying that Cup and Stafford got really close. I, I heard that uh, Matt Stafford actually took a picture cut out of Cooper Cup and, and put it on top of Calvin Johnson's picture in his wedding photos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. You know, mangled fingers and all. Um, number three, Alvin Kamara, 179 yards from scrimmage in a touchdown. Kamara, I expected a lot more running out of the backfield for him that than I got in this game. It, it was it was really surprising. Seattle really shut down Kamara out of the backfield. They you could tell they were really cued in on him, but it shows you how uh, how good of a player Kamara is and and the fact that he can get out of the backfield and make catches out of the backfield and really put up a good amount of yardage. I mean, 130 yards through the air. I mean, that's, that's wild. 128 and a touchdown for a running back. I mean, he is this team at this point. If if Thomas isn't on the field, Alvin Kamara is this team because the closest guy to him to, to catching a pass was Adam Troutman who had three receptions for 36 yards. I mean, food for thought there. And and Kamara had the only touchdown on the day. Without, and, and I don't think that the Saints, I, I mean, they look like a playoff team possibly. Like they could wind up in, in the fifth, sixth, seventh seed. I think they're, they're a wild card team. But I think they're going to get eliminated early based solely on the fact that it, it all depends on Alvin Kamara. And I don't know if he can keep up this pace. I don't know if he, I mean, I'm waiting for the moment where he blows out his knee or something and the Saints are an afterthought because at that point you're relying on Jameis Winston and Adam Troutman. I mean, right now, Alvin Kamara is seriously playing the role of Christian McCaffrey in Carolina. And they, and now they, uh, we're going to talk about it. That's a new struggle hit, but um, if he goes down, um, their newly acquired uh, Latavius Murray is not, Camara, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. They're just significantly different players, right? So it it's gonna get uh, it's gonna get interesting. I, I, I yeah, and you mean uh, Mark Ingram, by the way? Yes, Mark I said Ingram. I said Latavius Murray, Mark Ingram. Okay. We've seen we've seen that Ingram Camara story in the past. Yes, and so, it, at one point was one of the most dangerous running duos in the league. Yeah, I think they're trying to lighten the load for Camara a little bit. And and that might be one of the reasons for them getting Mark Ingram because they don't want to burn uh, uh, Alvin Kamara into the ground. But we'll see. But I it, this offense clearly runs through Alvin Kamara, and if Alvin Kamara, you know, gets hurt, I, I think you can basically say that you know the Saints are are washed at that point. Absolutely. So that's what we're dealing with there. But yes, this weekend he had himself a great game. So I'm gonna piggyback one and two together. I struggled on which order to put them in. It's kind of, it's it's that old classic uh, chicken or the egg conversation. Mm-hmm. But number one and number two in order. Number two, 
is Joe Burrow, 23 yep. for 38, 416, three touchdowns and a pick. And number one, Jamar Chase, eight receptions, 201 yards and a touchdown. Joe Burrow was the great facilitator here. Um, but I, so one of the, the plays Jamar Chase took to the house was 80 yards, 80 yard touchdown. It was a big one. And that's one of the reasons why his, his yardage total was just so much because he got one play and, and you see it out of running backs all the time, you know, early on in the game, they get one play that's humongous and you know, that it makes them, Oh wow. Look, he put up 190 yards on the day. Well, yeah, he had a, 80 yard run to start the day. And then the rest of the day, he, you know, continued on for, you know, the rest of his regular yardage throughout the day. Uh, that, that's kind of what you saw to Jamar chase. <clears throat> and, and it really inflated Joe Burrow's number a lot. One thing I will say, watching that game, Jamar chase really didn't do anything until just before halftime. And it almost seemed like it clicked for Joe Burrow. Like he hit, he hit Jamar chase. On, I think it was two or three consecutive passes to get downfield just before the half. And Jamar Chase, at that point, only had about 50 or 60 yards after those three catches. And it was almost like it clicked right before halftime, and Joe Burrow goes, hey, Jamar Chase has been open a lot. Why am I not throwing him the ball? And then just started airing it out to him like crazy for the rest of the game. <clears throat> and we got to see uh, what went on there. Yep. Jamar Chase, he's a great receiver. He's he's showing right now that he's, I mean, he's leaning rookie of the year right now I, easily, and we haven't seen Heavily. A, we haven't seen a receiver win that in a long time. I, I think it's been what Moss, Moss was the last one. So I think that because hey, because the difference is because usually a quarterback gets it, and every once in a while it changes. So last year, I I think you're talking about okay, and it, it was very close. You, you it could have went either way. And they, obviously they went Herbert, but but uh, over Jefferson. But I think in this case, there's not a quarterback even coming close to performing anywhere close to what Herbert did last year. So it's right now it's Jamar's to lose. Yeah, it's it's Jamar Chase all day, and and they're obviously they're they're never going to give it to an offensive lineman. I've never seen an offensive lineman win rookie of the year. I don't think. No, but, and and yeah, we have a couple that are that are that are up there high ranked, but I I don't think. They're they're on Chase's level at this moment. I think that I think they would need Chase to slow down. Yeah, Chase Chase is just ha he's having too good of a year, and and I, I think Jamar Chase is on pace for that. Uh, I mean, unless he unless there's like a serious injury, heaven forbid, you know, he's gonna wind up being because now we talked about it last week, and I'm gonna bring it up. I was gonna bring it up during rookie rankings, but we're talking about him right now, so I'll bring it up here. Um, last week we were talking about how. Uh, for 16 games, Jamar Chase is on pace to beat Jefferson's record by a little bit. Yeah. No, now it's a lot. Now it's he's looking to shatter it. Yeah. He's on for because I, I know you want to see it in 16. Through 16, he's looking at beating it by 350 yards, which is incredible. Through 16, he's only 200 behind pace-wise for the not not the rookie receiving yard record. But the receiving yard record, which is and that's that's terrifying, isn't it? If a rookie's even coming close to doing that, holy crap! Well, what are we what are we looking at with this guy? You know, so I mean, so and, and you know what? If if he breaks, 
if he breaks the the um receiving yard record, even if it takes him 17 games to do it, the fact that a rookie is doing that, holy shit! Right, that's that's a big deal. Now, but the fact that you got people that are close that they, if he's on pace being 200 back, he's not even number one in the league in yards right now. That's when you, that's when you start talking about he's he's second, but Cooper Cup, however, who we just yeah. talked about, now he's on pace pretty close to catching that Calvin Johnson record right now. Which would be incredible. He's on pace for, for 16, 18, 49, so he's behind the pace. But it's, man, it's doable. It is. It's 17, very, 17 games would do it for him. And both these teams have a really soft game coming up next with, I mean, the Rams going up against the Texans, and you've got the Bengals going up against the Jets. So they both have really soft matchups this upcoming week. This, they're just going to add on to their totals, in my opinion. I, I think so. Yeah. Now, Tyler, we've got uh, – I got five that I think you forgot about, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and bring them up in this edition of Raytown's Forgotten Fun. Raytown's Forgotten Five. Now, Tyler, the, the five guys I've got, I, I mean, we've already talked about a few of them. But I'm, I'm going to jump right in. Number five, Khalil Herbert. He's going to be on there. 18 carries, 100 yards versus the number one rushing defense. It's his first 100-yard game. Uh, Khalil Herbert, he's been hot after, uh, you know, first three games. Very good ball. Uh, he's, he's been getting it. He got in the end zone once in the last three games, which, hey, whatever. It's been tough, especially with the Bears offense being as rough as it is, especially with the, the Justin Fields debacle that's currently happening. But Khalil Herbert's been the one lone shiny spot on that offense. Allen Robinson is non-existent. Their receivers are non-existent. Justin Fields is a bust. I mean, really, here we are. Khalil Herbert, he's been the lone shiny spot for three games. Uh, do you think he continues this pace? Uh, and, and it sounds like he's going to be the lead back until David Montgomery gets back. And Montgomery is looking like he's not going to be back till after week 10. So do you think Khalil Herbert continues this pace? And if he continues this pace, do you think he takes that lead back job from David Montgomery? I don't think he takes the lead back job from Montgomery. I think the sample size is too small, but I think he can continue to play fairly well. Yeah, I, I think he does continue to play well. Montgomery's really going to have his work cut out for him if he wants to retain that starting job. I'm going to stand by that. I think if Montgomery doesn't step up and go big for the rest of the season, then this is Khalil Herbert's job. Now, next up, number four, Mac Jones, 24 for 36, 307, two touchdowns in a 51-point blowout of the Jets. Mac Jones, look at, I mean, proving us wrong, it's looking like he's the, the best quarterback to come out of this class. Uh, am I wrong? It's it's looking that way, and, and, it's, and it's looking like it's not even close. Yeah, he's he's getting better week over week. He looked really good in that matchup with the Cowboys. We he had that very unexpected touchdown that that on a blown coverage by Trayvon Diggs. He really is is coming into his own in this Belichick system, and I, I could see Mac Jones becoming a, a really hot quarterback in this league under Bill Belichick. Which I mean, hey, what else is new here? You know, we've seen this for for the last two and a half decades. So here we are. Mac Jones leading the pack with the uh, of rookie quarterback ratings. Number three goes to A.J. Brown. Eight receptions, 133 yards, and a touchdown. 
Uh, I understand it was against the Chiefs' really, really bad defense, but A.J. Brown still getting his numbers. Eight receptions, 133, and he did it while he was ill. So do you think uh, A.J. Brown is is uh, back and large and in charge here after having a little hiatus there for the Tennessee Titans? I th- I think so. I think A.J. Brown's starting to heat up and is going to start playing like that player that we know he's supposed to be. Yeah, he's he's come alive there. And I, I mean, I know you, you said you're not a, a Julio guy. Do you think this helps Julio start putting up some more numbers? I don't know. Julio's looking slow. Yeah, he's kind of looking. He's a not little... been playing. He's going to be out again this week. Yeah. So that's that's going to be an interesting one. Number two goes to Mike Evans. Six receptions, 76 yards, three touchdowns on the day. I didn't have uh, Evans for the here for the yardage. I had him here for the touchdowns. He did catch uh, Tom Brady's. 600 touchdown pass which was gave it away and then gave the ball away and they had to they had to bargain with the guy he gave it to to get the ball back but dumb fan he should have held on to it yeah but either way huge huge uh game for for mike evans in the red zone especially getting those uh three touchdown passes and fun fact mike evans is already top 10 all time in most touchdown catches by tom brady really Tom Brady likes him. He, in the he has of Tom Brady's six hundred. Um, Evans has twenty one of them through two seasons. Wow, that's huge. For a season and a half, really. Yeah, and then number one goes to Derek Carr, thirty one for thirty four, three twenty three, two touchdowns and a pick. Look, Derek Carr, I I know this is, seems like a pretty standard number, but thirty one for thirty four. Think about how accurate he was on this game. I, I mean that that's just an outstanding number. And Derek Carr is playing at such a high level, he's looking like he should be in the MVP talks right now. And I don't understand why not enough people are talking about him. Derek Carr's been red hot this season, hasn't he? He's been very good. Yeah. I mean, he was he was great to start. They had the John Gruden stuff that, that kind of derailed him for a little bit. But now they they came back hot these last two games. So Derek Carr, spot on, looking like a leader and looking like, you know, that MVP guy we saw a few, you know, a few years back. So we'll see if Derek Carr can continue on this pace. Now, Tyler, we've got uh, five bad performances on top of those really great performances. Uh, number five for... Well, actually, we have a second I like to call Tyler's Terrible Five. Oh, Tyler's Terrible Five. You're number five, Ravens defensive backs. Number four, Ravens O-line. Number three, Ravens defensive line. Number two, Marlon Humphrey. And number one, Ravens linebackers. Fucking tackle. That's all. (laughs) That's about as salty as I've ever seen you. (laughs) You feel better? Yes. Okay, good. Well, for right now, it's forgetful five. Um, Number five goes to the New York Jets defense. 51 points given up versus the Patriots. I don't know how you can uh, really justify it. I'll I'll, I'll take the Jets defense over Ravens defense. Yeah, yeah, they're going to be number five. Number four goes to Patty Mahomes, 20 for 35, 206 yards and a pick. Patrick Mahomes just looked like hell in this game. He was he was just horrible. Balls being thrown in the ground. He, he, that trademark Patrick Mahomes' escapability wasn't there. Patrick Mahomes didn't look like Patrick Mahomes in this game. And, Not uh, at all. Are we, are we sure that it wasn't Jackson Mahomes playing? Yeah. That? Yeah, his idiot brother, which uh, that guy's a moron in itself. But, yeah, Patty Mahomes, 
he has a bad game. Next up, number three goes to Davis Mills, 23 for 32 for 135 yards. I really believe that Houston is killing Davis Mills' chances of, of being a stud in this league. Um, I, I just I see really a lot of conservative play calling from Houston. They're not letting him just air it out. Mills is a good player, and I don't think he's in a great position right now over there in Houston. Um, it's just it he's gonna he's never gonna develop. It, it's very no. simple to to a situation like if he were to go to the Jets with Adam Gates. I mean he he wouldn't. He would never develop. He's never going to develop in Houston. He would never develop with the Jets. It's just bad. So, yeah, Davis Mills winds up in in uh, number three. Uh, number two goes to uh, Mr. Sam Darnold, seeing ghosts. Uh, 16 for 25, 111 yards and a touchdown. He got benched in this game. Uh, they say that Sam Darnold's going to start this upcoming week, but it, this is the Sam Darnold that we're used to seeing at this point. Is this guy now considered – can we – can we finally look at Sam Darnold and say Darnold is a bust? I'm sad. I was really hoping Sam Darnold was going was gonna to prove me right here. And for three for three weeks, it was looking like it was going to happen. It was looking like they were going to go to the playoffs. And now here we are, and Sam Darnold's back. Yeah, Sam Darnold, he, he looks like he's back with the Jets almost. I mean, it, it's bad. I'm, I'm wondering if Adam Gase is his new offensive coordinator or something with his crazy coked-out eyes. And and he's, seen, he's seen Adam Gase in the, in, in, in the outfield. Yeah, but it, his bad performance pales in comparison to our number one player here. Our number one forgot, forgetful performance goes to Bustin' Justin Fields. That's right, Mr. Bust himself. 22 for 32, 184, three interceptions, three fumbles. Now, I have a Justin Fields issue here. Okay. I have a lot of people who are Ohio State stands out there that really, really, really love themselves and Justin Fields. And everybody keeps saying, oh, the coaching is killing him. And oh, Justin Fields, he's got a bad offensive line and the offensive line is killing him. Well, I looked into their offensive line. I did a deep dive on it. And here's what I found I found four out of the five. Offensive linemen on that football team right now. So an average grade for PFF is about a 55. All of those players, all four of those, have a 65 or higher overall PFF grade. 65 or higher, including Jason Peters, who is boasting a whopping 77.7 PFF grade. So take that to the bank. The only one who hasn't been good is their center, who has a 45 PFF grade. But in the pass protection area, he's actually boasting close to a 60. So for people that are saying that the Bears offensive line is the problem, I don't want to hear that. That's, that's bullshit. That's nonsense. So we can just put that argument to bed. But additionally, Pro Football Focus has some really, really interesting uh, uh, grades and, and special little stats. That you can look into. A few of those stats are, are things like total time to throw. Justin Fields rank, right now ranks 12th. No, I'm sorry. It's 15th in total time to throw among qualified quarterbacks. Now, according to Pro Football Focus, it, it, he's technically ranked 18th. But the problem with that is 
the guys who are ranked higher than him, there's three guys at the very top of the list, and they're all backups who have played like two snaps. So I don't really count that. But I can count the actual starters. And going down that list, he would be ranked 15th. Additionally, here's the other thing. They have something about quarterback pressures. And they have what is known as self-inflicted quarterback pressures and sacks. Justin Fields, he ranks 12th in self-inflicted quarterback pressures and sacks. So what that tells me with his total time to throw and him ranking 12th in the self-inflicted ones, guess what? He's holding on to the ball too long. But the thing that really gets me about this Justin Fields situation is this 40 time. Because everybody talked about how fast this guy is. That's all we heard. I heard more about Justin Fields' 40 time in the combine than I heard about Trevor Lawrence this offseason. Everybody was, and I, I heard, I watched, like read reports that said, oh, uh, Justin Fields is a, a unicorn. He's, he's a special player, and he's, he's got the escapability, and he's got the arm strength, and he's so accurate. Let me tell you what I saw from Justin Fields this past week. I saw a guy whose scouting report was the exact thing that we saw on Sunday. They said in his scouting report that this guy can't make a read, or can't make a pass beyond his first read. Guess what we saw on Sunday? Justin Fields not making a pass beyond his first read and throwing three interceptions because he was trying to force the ball. And everybody told me, oh, you're wrong. He makes passes beyond his first read. All these Ohio State stands that won't shut up about this, how this guy is apparently a king and how he's the best quarterback ever and how he's just going to set the world on fire. Oh, you're wrong. You're wrong about the fact that he can't make a play past his first read. Well, guess what? Justin Fields proved that he can't make a play past his first read. And then I went out and said, Justin Fields, and you said it too, Tyler, Justin Fields can't read a defense. And we said that. We said, Justin Fields, you know how many times I saw him audible at the line this past Sunday? None. Absolutely none. And he got sacked nine times. Nine sacks for three fumbles. So clearly he wasn't able to read the defense. And I've watched several players. You, you see it all the time in this league. The elite quarterbacks will read that defense. And you see guys like Aaron Rodgers and even Kirk Cousins. You see these guys come up and they will point at a linebacker that they know is getting ready to blitz and say, hey, watch that guy. I don't want him getting through. Watch him. He's about to come in. And they'll yell it to, his, to their guys. Watch number so-and-so. Well, guess what? You didn't see that out of Justin Fields this past week. But for all that, that stuff we heard about Justin Fields and his 40 time and how fast he is and his escapability, guess what? Justin Fields got sacked nine times. So what the hell happened to all of his escapability and his speed, this greasy, fast speed? What, what happened to that? Because we didn't see it on Sunday. We didn't see that at all. I mean, really. Justin Fields had eight carries for 38 yards on the day. So I didn't see it. What, what happened to that? I thought this guy was supposed to be Lamar Jackson 2.0. And then the, the thing that really blows my mind is that I go on, on, on social media, my mistake for that again, and I point these things out. And I say, hey, this guy wasn't all he was cracked up to be. This guy played poorly. And I understand he's taken on the Buccaneers defense, but this guy hasn't played well 
all season long. All year, he's been bad. Since he came in, he's been bad. I thought this guy was supposed to be the savior. That's what I was hearing. Oh, this guy's the savior. Well, then I, I get these idiots on, on Twitter praising this guy like, like he, he's just the, the second coming of, of Jesus here. Give me a break. Justin Fields has not lived up to the hype. He has not lived up to the expectations. And the Ohio State fans out there, they need to understand that. They need, and, and Ohio State, notoriously, you and I both know this, Tyler, they do not produce good quarterbacks. Am I wrong in saying that? I, I, heard, uh, some, I heard someone say that Justin Fields has the legs of Lamar, the, the, uh, the arm of Murray, and the physicality of, of Josh Allen. Show me one of those being close to accurate. No, and it hasn't been. That that's what blows my mind here. And and I'm I'm sitting here like, wait a minute. And and the the thing that really gets me, like like that really blew my mind this week is when I mentioned like none of this stuff about Justin Fields has been accurate at all. Like all this this positive talk and all these positive reports about he's how he's gonna be the next best thing in Chicago. So far, they have not happened. These things have not occurred, but I, I mean, he's to me. I think he's a bust. I called it. I called that he was going to be a bust before draft day. You called that he was going to be a bust before draft day. That's just the reality. If he's gonna, if he's, if if he was a good quarterback, I'd be calling him a great quarterback. But he's not. He's just not. And and one person went out and said, "Oh, well, he's great." And they they brought up his GPA in college. Like that has any merit in the NFL? Oh, he's a 4.0 GPA in at OSU. Well, that's great. Well, he's a he's a 1.2 GPA at reading defenses. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. That 4.0 GPA in OSU, you he better be glad he has it because you're you're gonna have a great lawyer or a great doctor or whatever he decides to become post NFL career because this guy is not gonna survive in the NFL because he is not a good quarterback. Period. So just be happy that you're going to have yourself a great student. So that's my rant there. That's my Justin Fields rant for today. <laughs> <laughs> that Part covers it. Now, Tyler, rookie rankings, our top 10 rookie rankings, which is something Justin Fields will not wind up on. Actually, he's my number one. You're a funny guy. <laughs> you're a funny guy. So uh. Our top 10 rookie rankings. Uh, let's, let's talk about them. Uh, um, so it's the first week in which the 10 people that were on the list did not change. Yeah. And, and so, I think our, our lists matched for the most part. For the most part, a little moving around different spots as far as where we put them, but I'm going to go ahead and I, I'm going to, I'm, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and call it a top 12 because uh, let's be honest, there's, there's 12 guys that, that, that have a remote shot that win rookie of the year and. Everyone else has a long way to go. Yeah, and so, there has been some sliding, uh, and, and it's like we talked about last week. Availability is a big thing, and there's some guys that, that have suffered injuries and, you know, they have slid because of those injuries because, you know, they're simply not on the field. But there's also guys that, that I mean, this is a really kind of sensitive area. One bad game, you know, can, can really bring you down a lot. Whereas one really good game can bring you up a lot. And we, we saw that, uh, at least on my list, I saw that in one guy that had himself one hell of a game this past week. So, I, I'm you know, it, it, it all it takes is one 
bad one to move you down the rankings quite a bit. And then you really got, it's tougher to dig yourself out of that hole once you, once you have that one bad game. So I want to see what we uh, wound up coming up with overall. Um, so I'll, I'll so the, the kind of the honorables that are not close to being in the 10, but just they're kind of just on the outside looking in, I guess guys like Asante Samuel, Patrick Sertain, Trevor Lawrence, who's playing okay now, and Javante Williams. They have a long way to go, but they're there. He he was on this list, you know, early and has dropped off since. Right. Yeah. But what I'm going to call number 12, Najee Harris. Okay. Still, still playing very well, still still doing well. He's not in, in the, the upper echelon because of the early season, but he's becoming more consistent. Yeah, I think he's he's really found a little bit of a groove over there, and and I think the Steelers realize they have something. It's like they drafted him, and they they didn't realize what they drafted. And yeah, and, and they, if someone said, "Hey, Tomlin, uh, you know he can run the ball, right?" Yeah, and he was he was getting a lot of passes out of the backfield, but since then he's he's really started taking the ball out of the backfield a lot more. So yeah, I, I would agree with this. He's he's on the outside of the top ten right now, just yeah. barely. And I'm going to call an honorable number 11 here is Mac Jones. Yeah, on the upswing. Last two weeks, he's been been red hot. He's had a couple of high-scoring affairs. Uh, you know, good arm. Good. He, he's, he's starting to really develop well in the Belichick system, which I didn't expect. But he's thriving right now. And I want to see if he, you know, like the, you, we could, we could really – Judging by you know their record right now and the way he's been playing, I mean they're three and four. Could you see the Patriots as a fringe playoff team? I, I could, but I think the AFC is crowded. It's going to be tough. Yeah, they're very crowded, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if the the Patriots squeaked in on like a seven seed. But going to number ten, Trey Smith um, doesn't move at all. He stays at number ten. Yeah, I had him a little higher than that. I, I think he's he's probably one of the best guards in the game right now. Uh, I, I mean, as a rookie, he's he's been one of the best guards that that we've seen overall. And as a rookie, he's just getting it done. So yeah, I, I agree with this. I like Trey Smith a lot. Uh, he, we I knew coming out of college that he was going to be good, and the, the Chiefs got a steal on him. Really, I think they got him in the second or third round. So th- it was a good pick. I like Trey Smith a lot. Number nine, uh, a bit of a slide, but still playing well. And this is what I want to talk about a little bit. Is it Adafi Owe? Less at six, now at nine. Yeah, he dropped heavily. I had him at nine on my list as well. He he dropped heavily because of a bad game. And and again, this is what we're talking about. One bad game really, you know, dropped you down. But what I will say, and this is why I had him ranked a little bit higher, was despite the entire defense playing poorly, Adafi Owe still was top three in the league last week in quarterback rushes and hits. Yeah. So him, he himself was the only man on defense to have a decent game, but there's still some areas where he, he was also guilty of some tackle misses and stuff like that, but he's still p- playing like a upper echelon rookie defender and an upper echelon defender in general. Yeah, I agree. Uh, PFF grades have have dropped uh, pretty pretty heavily for him uh, with that bad game. He I think he dropped like ten whole points, so that's why he he dropped down on my list. I think he's a great player. I think he's going to continue to be a great player. We'll see if this week or uh, I'm not sure if you guys are on the bye week. I haven't looked at the schedule yet, but he uh, we'll see if he can rebound. You know, and and that's 
really what he's going to need. Yeah, you guys don't play this week, but you know the following game. Uh, I mean, yeah. That, plus, yep. so so he'll probably be in the nine or ten slot next week because we've notoriously um not penalized anybody on their bye weeks. Yeah, no more than a spot or two. He'll he'll remain you know on the top ten. Probably level. ten. If there's a lot of good performances, probably ten. But yeah. and and but then he's got a really favorable matchup against you know a Vikings team on November seventh. So I, I mean he. He's good. He's a good player. He's going to continue being a good player, and and we'll see how he does. You know, on come November seventh, he'll have a little time to to recover, rest his body, and then come back firing. And we'll see if he remains as hot as he did to to kick off the season, or if he starts hitting a real slump here. But you know, he's still a great player. I think I do think Baltimore still got a really good steal on him, and uh, he has a, a an ability to create turnovers, which I love. I, I think he's really great at punching the ball out and forcing fumbles, things of that nature. He's had some really clutch plays this season. So, yeah, I, I'm okay with Owe in this spot right here in number nine. And I, I think he's, you know, it, it depends on how well he rebounds against the Vikings uh, a week from Sunday. Number eight, Micah Parsons uh, slides from five down to eight. It was his bye week, but I, 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 I think you ranked him about the same, and I kind of course corrected a little bit. Well, uh, Parsons, I actually ranked him 10th on mine. He was 10th on my list, but it, what – the, the thing about Parsons is he's been sliding a little bit. Uh, he slid heavily last week. Uh, he, he was up in the top three, slid all the way to 10, and he remains at 10 right now. But uh, there's he, he he's digging himself out of the cellar here. He he dropped down. So you remember to, to kick off the season, Micah Parsons, it, it's been a gradual drop in his grades over the course of the last few weeks, uh, and gradual uh, you know decline in his performance. He went from like an 84 to a 77, to a 70, to a 60, and that's why he dropped so heavily. And then he's back up to, right now, to a 67. So, I mean, I watch Micah Parsons. He, he's great in the pass rush, but he's not great in coverage. He's an LT type of player. He's just not a coverage linebacker. He's, he's just not. And they've moved him around, and they've shifted him to defensive end, and they've shifted him over here, and they've shifted him over here. He's he's a blitzing linebacker, and that's what they should be keeping him as. He should be the blitzing linebacker that calls the shots and blitzes the quarterback through the middle of the field, through that A-gap, and and does what he does. That's what I think Micah Parsons is best suited as, and that's what they should use him as. And that's going to, you know, if he continues, and that's what they used him as, you know, in their last game. If he continues to do that, then, then you know, great. You know, I think he'll he'll improve quite a bit, but he dropped, you know, quite a bit over the course of the last few weeks he had a, a pretty steep slide we'll see if he can dig his way out of the cellar there number seven sam cosme um doesn't move seven from last week cosme's just been good for washington i mean they, they've got uh, he's a great offensive line for the lineman for them i didn't expect sam cosme to come out the way he did and and play as well as he did i knew he was going to be okay i didn't know washington was going to start him right away but He's been great for them. He's he's been really really good. Uh, his his blocking grades have been really fantastic. He he really is a a great presence for for Taylor Heineke coming into the situation that he's that he is. I'm surprised that he's kind of lower than what I expected. I had him ranked at five, but you know it, it you know I I think he's if Washington I if they were performing a lot better, then I think we would have be having a different conversation about Sam Cosme, but it, the, he's a great 
guy is like a building block for them. He's a great building block for them to start focusing on the future, much like a Quentin Nelson. And and Washington has notoriously kind of had a rough go on the offensive line. So I think Sam Cosme is is you know the guy that's going to trend them in the right direction. Number six, Nate Hobbs. He moves up from number eight. Yeah, he he came in in replacement of uh, uh, I think it was Damon Arnett, and he's been fantastic. Hobbs has has been playing out of his mind. He he started in the nickel. He's been playing outside. He's in and he can play both really effectively. He's been great in coverage. I, I mean, they had him at as corner number three on their list and really right now he's looking like corner number one and and he c- continues to move up the list because he just continues to string along great performances defensively and that's something that the Raiders haven't had in a long time they were looking for good corners and and yeah Nate Hobbs been getting it done gotta love it number five and this is probably our mine and your biggest difference one of, of the week and last week it was Micah Parsons but we kind of Square up in that one this week. It is Jeremiah Owuso Koromoa. Last week, two drops down to five. Um, I dropped him a little on mine. You dropped him significantly more. I kind of treat it a little like a bye week because everyone's kind of had that one week off, but I did drop him a bit um, where you had dropped him a, a, a bit more severely. Well, I dropped him severely. Here's one big thing about Owuso Koromoa is he's going to be out for three to four weeks, and his – he he plays well, but there are guys out there, and, and like I said, availability is key. And if you're not on the field, you're not any good to the team. Whether or not you know it affects your PFF grade or, or whatever the case may be, which it doesn't. But to me, my grade, it affects my grade because I see guys like Trey Smith and Nate Hobbs and Sam Cosme and the Kyle Pitts and Rashawn Slater and Creed Humphrey and Jamar Chase and Adafi Owe and Micah Parsons all these guys that are on the top 10 and even those guys that are just out of the top 10 are available and they're healthy and they haven't missed time. And uh, Uso Karamoa is missing time. And, you know, to be honest with you, he'll likely fall off of my list for a couple of weeks once he comes back and he might stay off the list if he doesn't, you know, perform at the same level as he was before this injury. So, I mean, yeah, availability is key when it comes to Uso Karamoa. And I'm, you know, I don't know. The jury's kind of still out on him because he might be an injury prone player. So we're going to find out. Number four, and the biggest leap for both of us, and coming up from number nine now at four is Kyle Pitts. Yeah, he uh, strings along two really, really solid performances. Uh, really rises up the list. His his grades. I don't know if you've noticed his Pro Football Focus grades have really skyrocketed in the last couple of weeks. He went up to an 85 PFF grade, which I, I think is just monumental. That's a huge jump. Last two weeks, he's been playing out of control. He got on the list last week and then jumps the list this week. So we'll, we'll see if Kyle Pitts continues to play at this high level, understanding they've, they've sort of had two little kind of cupcake matchups in the last couple of weeks. I mean, this past week it was the Dolphins, you know, so I, We'll see. We'll we'll see if he if he uh, continues to to play, you know, at this this high level that that we've been seeing. But I I really do like Kyle Pitts a lot. This is this is you know we, we thought we thought for a long time that that the Falcons had found their tight end and and they really didn't. It turned out. I mean, the, their last matchup you know was two weeks ago against the Jets. 
the Falcons really, I mean, we thought Hayden Hurst was going to be the guy over there, and he, he hasn't been. It, it, the reality is that Kyle Pitts has overtaken him, and Hayden Hurst should likely be on the trade block right now, but maybe that's just my opinion. I think that's likely to happen. Yeah, Kyle Pitts jumps jumps up the list here in a big way because of these two really rock-solid performances. Number three, uh, moving up from number four, is Rashad Slater. Yeah, I, I called this guy to be the probably the best lineman out of this draft. He's got a lot of versatility, and he's he really has been good all year long. He's, he's proving to be one of the best uh, offensive linemen out of this one. Uh, there's only one offensive lineman that's better than him, and he's you know not even a first rounder, which is fascinating to me. But Slater, you know, the Chargers got a great selection of him in him. He keeps uh, Justin Herbert clean. He he really plays well, and I I really like Rashawn Slater. He had the bye week this past week, so you know we'll we'll see how he continues to perform. You know, coming out of the bye, if he hits a little slump, they've got a nice matchup against the Patriots this week. So we'll see. Uh, Rashawn Slater, I love this this uh, upward traje- trajectory he's on, but he's going to have a, a tough go if he's going to overtake Jamar Chase. Number two, Creed Humphrey, he moves up into that spot from the number three spot. Yeah, Creed Humphrey, he's this guy actually is the best offensive lineman to come out of this draft. He's the starting center for, for the Chiefs this year. And uh, that one-two punch of him and Trey Smith right next to each other, I keep talking about it week after week after week. Everybody can can talk about, about uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes and how he's constantly under pressure and, oh, my God, you know, he – well, I don't know about all that because the interior of that line with Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith is outstanding. They're, they're just outrageously good, and these guys are both steals. Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey, they are steals in this draft. So I, I love both of those picks, and I, I thought that, you know, I, if you look at their PFF grades, Creed Humphrey is up in the 80s, you know, which you don't see a whole lot out of a lot of, like, brand-new rookie offensive linemen. He's having himself a, a great, great week, so or a great year, rather. So, yeah, Creed Humphrey, he's in the right spot, number two. And number one, to the surprise of absolutely nobody, and we've already talked a lot about him early on that's Jamar Chase leading the charge man uh and and really he he put a huge stamp on I'm going after this number one spot and it's going to be mine I'm going to be rookie of the year as long as he stays healthy Jamar Chase is going to be the rookie of the year no doubt about it especially after that 200 yard performance he had this past week I mean he's just so explosive it's been amazing and nobody can hold a candle to this guy right now. He, it's, it's legitimately going to have to take an injury for Jamar Chase to not be in that number one spot. That's, that's where we're at right now. I mean, and it, and it really depends on when. If that, if that injury would have were to happen week fifteen, I, I don't. And, and he's still on this trajectory. I don't know if, if that'll be enough for anyone to catch him. Yeah, I don't think anybody does at that point. I yeah. think, I think he's got a good, based on his trajectory, he's got like a good two to three game cushion on everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's legit. I mean, he, it's right he, now. It's not close. Like put, um, put, put his name on, on the trophy right now and, and on, on current trajectory. Yeah. Yeah. Based on his current trajectory, I I'm a hundred percent with you. 
Jamar Chase is he's probably going to be the rookie of the year, and it wouldn't surprise me one bit. Now, Tyler, we've got some news around the league, um, and we're going to jump into this this news. I'm I'm loving this. Deshaun Watson trade sweepstakes is happening just before the trade deadline, and it is frankly just come down to Miami. Uh, Miami is the only place that Deshaun Watson is willing to waive his no trade clause to go to at this point. The conditions, and, and they've agreed on principle to a trade. Here's the problem. Miami needs two things. Watson must settle all of his lawsuits for the sexual misconduct that is that have occurred, and Miami must give up three first rounders and two additional uh, later round draft picks to get them. So huge haul for Deshaun Watson. And Miami also wants to know if Watson is going to wind up on the commissioner's exempt list. So all of those three things need to be addressed before this trade goes through. Now, the trade deadline, I believe, is on Tuesday. Yep. So we're, it's right around the corner here. Do you, uh, do you see this going through? Do you think this trade actually comes to fruition? And uh, do you think that Deshaun Watson settles all of his cases? And really, what's the – here's a, a fun question now that he's going to be leaving Houston. What do you think the over-under is on these things getting settled? You know, the, these, these uh, uh, sexual misconduct, you know, uh, lawsuits. What do, what do you think happens in this situation? What's the over-under on these things getting settled now that he's leaving Houston? Man, I don't know. It's, 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 it's strange. I, I think there's still a decent chance that he ends up on the exemplist. I, because of the, the criteria that my is asking for, which is smart on their part, I don't think this trade is going to go through. I don't think I don't think uh, Goodell can give them the assurances they're looking for. I think well, here's here's the problem with I thought he was going to wind up on the commissioner's exempt list until this stuff was settled, like eight weeks ago, and and I thought I, I thought he was going to that was going to be a before the season even started type situation. You know, oh Deshaun Watson, you got your lawsuits, commissioner's exempt list done. It hasn't happened. It, it really just, it hasn't. And, and I, I, it's a little confusing because, I mean, we've seen guys get placed on the commissioner's exempt list for less, you know, for, for off the field issues. So I, I'm like, Justin well, Blackman, where is he? Yeah. It's like, what the hell are you waiting for? So I, I don't know. I personally, I want to say that, that Houston might just, it, it wouldn't surprise me, honestly, because the, the Texans owner is kind of a giant piece of garbage that he would go out and just say, hey, and get all these these ladies in a room and just settle out their cases for X amount of dollars, you know, just to make the trade happen. Uh, but and, and that wouldn't surprise me at all. It wouldn't surprise me if Deshaun Watson went out and said, hey, I want to make this thing happen and, and start, you know, paying off these things and, and settling out and being done with it and, and just, you know, have an office with a line of them out the door just waiting to come into the room. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I, I mean, Realistically, Deshaun Watson, kind of an interesting situation. It, it, when my, like you said, Miami is smart in saying, "Hey, I want these things handled," you know, before we make this trade, before we finalize this. The question of the day is, do they become settled, and does it become uh, a thing of the past here? And does Deshaun Watson get to just move on with his life? So we'll see how that all works out, and we'll see if the Dolphins wind up with a new quarterback. Also, the Texans go out and trade running back Mark Ingram to the Saints. For an undisclosed late round picks, picks. We'll we'll just say that multiple 
Um, so Ingram back to the Saints. He knows their system. He could play for the Saints as early as Sunday, they're saying. Uh, Tyler, do you think that that Mark Ingram is going to set the world on fire over there with New Orleans? He's not going to set the world on fire, but I think you you hit the nail on the head earlier. It's, it's going to be more to kind of take some pressure off Kamara. Yeah, that's what I think they're going with because I think they realize Kamara is all they have, and Michael Thomas with his uh, late offseason surgery shenanigans have has really you know painted them into a corner. So don't be surprised. I, I'll just say right now, don't be surprised if you see the Saints out there looking for uh, a number one receiver in the draft. It wouldn't surprise me. And uh, yeah, uh, Texans owner Cal McNair. Also, he got in trouble for using an anti-Asian slur at a team event, and uh, he has since apologized. I said it last week, and I'll say it this week. These type of things do not have any place in the NFL or civilized society. Cal McNair, we already knew he's kind of a big piece of garbage, and and we've already kind of, I mean, it, it's been assumed that he's just kind of a racist dude uh, by a lot of folks. Tyler, what's what are you thinking about Cal McNair? I think that we're pretty close to there being an email inside the uh, Washington database. You think so? I think I think that's because even though like I don't I don't trust a guy who's already been uh taken out, but but also sometimes there's sometimes there's not there's not someone more honest than someone who's already lost everything. And John Gruden's come out and said that 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 the the him him on the outs here is just the tip of the iceberg. Oh yeah. And I think a guy like Cal McNair, given the stuff he does in public, imagine what he says in private. Right. You, know, you got a lot of questions about about this guy and his uh, um, his his social actions and interactions and, and the type of person he is. I have questions about the type of person Cal McNair is. Uh, we've seen some not so not so wonderful things about this guy in the last several years. And it, it's raising questions now. So we have we have that going on now. They did. We, we heard about the trade, the Watson trade over to Miami. The Dolphins have other things going on, though, as well. Uh, Jason McCourty gets placed on IR with a foot injury. Uh, this is a huge hit for the Dolphins, I think, don't you? I think it is. I, I mean, they're already not doing well, but I think this is going to be a big hit to a potentially potential Watson ran Dolphins that, and, and could hinder their, their chances. Of anything. Right. Right, and and they also did place running back Malcolm Brown on IR with a quadriceps injury. Uh, that's an uh, it's not as huge of a hit. We know Miles Gaskin is the the star running back over there. Well, I guess and has started to heat up. Yeah, he, he's got he's gotten hot. Um, Malcolm Brown, though, I like Malcolm Brown. He's he's shown in in recent history that he can be a number one back somewhere, and I think Miami has just sort of mis misused him. He's he's been underutilized. Does Malcolm Brown catch on somewhere else? Does he become a number one back, or do you think he's a career backup moving forward? Uh, I think he's a career backup. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking as well. Um, now, we have some some interesting stuff, and, and this one's kind of interesting. It, you know, it's it's kind of weird that we have so many, like, kind of, like, dirty stories in the league, I guess you could say. Um, we'll start with the Cowboys offensive line lineman, uh, Lyle Collins. He returns from a suspension. Uh, we we talked about it a few weeks ago. He was trying to bribe a doctor to not have him suspended over a failed drug test, uh, and he's been shifted to guard from the offensive tackle position. I mean, does Lyle Collins remain a Dallas Cowboy after this season? Do you think he gets released after his contract? Where do you think Lyle Collins goes from here? 
I think they may try to trade him, but it could turn into a, an eventual release. Yeah. I, I think it's, he's, it's so like, just, just, you know, back alley-ish the way he, he handled that business. And, and yeah, I, I don't think the Cowboys want anything to do with him at that point because it just looks so bad. So yeah, I, I think, I think Lyle Collins is going to be heading out the door, even, no matter how good of a player he is, because he is a good lineman. But uh, yeah, this is this has been rough. Speaking of the Cowboys, uh, quarterback Dak Prescott is still experiencing effects of the calf injury from about two weeks ago. He suffered it on the last play against the Patriots. This has gone like like from being much more than just a, a tweak situation, and much more of like a serious you know could miss a few games situation. Uh, he may miss Sunday's game versus the Vikings, but he's set to be va- evaluated as the week progresses. He's officially listed as questionable. Do you think Dak Prescott plays this week? I mean, right now the Vegas line says he's not going to play. It's, I mean, within the last 24 hours, it's kind of gotten a little bit worse here. I'm thinking he's not going to, but I also don't think that because of the division he's in that there are any risk of missing the playoffs, even if he misses the next four weeks. Yeah, the, this game, uh, I, I don't get me wrong, as a Vikings fan, I'm ecstatic that he might miss because, I mean, if Dak Prescott's on the field, then the Vikings might, you know, not win this football game. I mean, it's it's already going to be a tight one. But as it stands right now, the Cowboys may be without Dak Prescott on the field for uh, Sunday night football against the Vikings due to this calf injury. Um, other injuries, uh, Nick Chubb, he's hoping to return from an injury in time. He's to play- officially healthy. Yep, and and active for Sunday. He's been activated for Sunday. He missed two games. Do you think? Do you think? I think they got him on a pitch count this week. I know we've talked about it earlier. I, I, I think, think this week will be a pitch count. Yeah, that's what I think. I think it's a pitch count situation. You're going to see uh, uh, Dearness Johnson once again. I think as the the bell cow back. Uh, Josh Jacobs. He came out of a game versus the Eagles on Sunday with a chest injury. They say he should be ready for a game versus the Giants uh, on November seventh. And they, that he seems to have avoided a major injury. Josh Jacobs, do you? Uh, how do you feel about that situation? Do you think he's he's still going to be good to go? Do you think Josh Jacobs is starting to become a more injury prone back? We've seen it a couple of times. He's been hurt throughout the last few seasons. It's, been, Josh- it's been hit or miss. I, I but I think they have a good running back core to kind of handle the work. But I, I think they're going to try to get him back in as soon as, as soon as they can. Yeah, I think so too. And and they're saying he could be ready for the November seventh game. They are on the bye this week. Um, over with the Eagles, running backs, uh, running back Miles Sanders suffers an ankle injury. He's officially listed as out versus the Lions on Sunday because he's been placed on IR. Uh, Miles Sanders has not been getting the workload that a lot of people expected. And I'm surprised that he hasn't been getting that workload. I'm surprised that the Eagles haven't been utilizing him as much, given the fact that Jalen Hurts has struggled so much on passing downs. What are your what's your take on this Miles Sanders situation? Does he request a trade? Do you think he he is is officially a bust? What what do you think about Miles Sanders? See, I've never liked Miles Sanders. It's like to me, this is like him finally kind of coming back to where he, where I I thought he would be. That's that's fighting to be a starter with a guy like Gainwell. Yeah, and and personally, I don't think Gainwell is a starter either in this league. No, yeah. so I, I think the Eagles are going to be on the in the market for a new running back soon enough. Uh, speaking of more Eagles injury news, JJ Arcega Whiteside is also ruled out with a back injury for the Lions game this week. 
J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is a receiver that got drafted early and just hasn't panned out. He really reminded me of like an Eric Decker type receiver. What, what are your takeaways on uh, Arcega-Whiteside, and do you think that he's just going to wind up moving on from the Eagles after his contract? Yeah, I, th- I think he'll end up going somewhere else to try to get a resurgence, but I just don't think he's the type of talent that's going to break waves. Yeah, I, I think so as well. Um, also with the Eagles, they go ahead and make a big trade. Joe Flacco goes to the Jets. Um, I think Joe Flacco is about done. <laughs> like I, I think this will put the put a cap in. He's, he's probably banging his head against the wall right now. He doesn't want to be with the Jets, and I don't think anybody really wants to be with the Jets right now other than Zach Wilson. And, yeah, I, I think this is just a mess right now. <laughs> Joe Flacco comes back and the reason they traded for Joe Flacco is because Jets quarterback Zach Wilson suffered a sprained PCL versus the Patriots this past Sunday. He's going to be out for 3 to 4 weeks, but they are saying right now in spite of the fact that Joe Flacco's been traded over there, backup quarterback Mike White is to start this Sunday versus the Bengals. We saw Mike White come in and it was not good. Are are the Jet, I mean we I we all kind of think the Jets are cooked already. I mean, do you think they're cooked even more? Do you think the Jets are going to wind up with another top three draft pick? Currently, they hold two picks in the top seven as it stands right now. So, I, do, you, do you think, I they, think they will? I don't. I don't. I think they've won their one and only game. That's going to be it. Yeah, you think they're going to be a number one draft pick team? Well, got Lions still, but yeah. they'll be top three. Yeah, I don't know. They'll see the difference is the Lions are still fighting, so I. This is going to be a mess. Or they're doing a really good job at making it seem like they're fighting. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're we're tanking here. We're we're, we're tanking for uh, Kayvon now. So um, next up, you got the uh, Packers. Well, speaking of the Lions, their special teams coordinator Dave Phipp, he tests positive for COVID, so he won't be on the field this week. Kind of sucks for the Lions, but you know it is what it is. Uh, a lot of coaches coming down with COVID this week, which is kind of wild. We we. Saw last night for the Thursday night football game, you had Packers defensive coordinator was out with with COVID. I mean, so you got coaches, weirdly enough, a lot of them catching COVID. And then you had, you know, a lot of guys, Devontae Adams was out with COVID last night. Uh, Alan Lazard was out with COVID last night. So you you got COVID kind of going around, especially in the Packers area. And, uh, you know, got it it going around in the uh, Lions locker room as well, as far as uh, up in the, the Midwest there. But speaking of the Packers, um, not only were they did, were they without a defensive coordinator, not only were they they uh, you know w- without um, Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard, but they still managed to get it done against the Cardinals last night um, with an injured DeAndre Hopkins facing them. So I mean, a Cardinals wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins. He has a hamstring injury. Defensive end J.J. Watt was out for that game. He's out for the season after undergoing shoulder, shoulder surgery. Tyler, are are the Packers as good as they they you think they are because they did beat the Cardinals last night? I mean, are they the real deal? Even in spite of the fact that all those those things are going on with COVID in their locker room, do you think that they're, they're a, you know, a Super Bowl caliber team at this point because they yeah. got it? I, I think they're a, they're a team that's good enough to go to the NFC Championship and lose. Again? <laughs> um, you think it's going to be they, three well, huh? they they are good enough to win the Super Bowl. Any, anyone who says otherwise would would be an idiot. Um, but with that note, the NFC is very tight this year, so it wouldn't surprise me 
if they won the Super Bowl, it wouldn't surprise me for them to lose in the divisional round. Yeah. Yeah, the Packers, uh, they've been getting it done in spite of all this stuff. And uh, DeAndre Hopkins was in and out of that game last night, too, with that hamstring injury. How bad do you think that that affects the Arizona Cardinals moving forward? It It's a big hit. But if a team could handle it, it's probably the Cardinals because they have a weird amount of riches at re- receiver. Yeah, and they, they do get a long a, a long you know break here uh, with the, the Thursday night football game. They don't play until 425 on November the 7th against, uh, against the Niners. So they do get a 10-day break because of the Thursday night football game after because they had the short week. So, you know, that's, that's a positive situation for them. Uh, next up. Speaking of the Niners, safety Jaquaski Tart, I think that's how you pronounce his name, ruled out in the fourth quarter of Sunday's game versus the Colts with a knee injury. He's listed as questionable uh, moving into the, uh, this Sunday's game against the Bears. What do you, what do you think of this? Jaquaski Tart, he, he almost got beat on a couple of uh, plays this past week and, you know, grabbed a hold of the receiver and, I mean, committed, I mean, a really blatant pass interference on Michael Pittman in that game against the Colts. Is this a big loss for, for the Niners or do you think he's, he's uh, on the downturn? I think he's kind of on the downturn. Yeah. He's been around for a while. Tart has been around with the Niners for quite some time. So I'm a little surprised uh, by his uh, actions this past week. Speaking of the bears, uh, Matt Nagy did test positive for COVID. He's likely to miss Sunday's game versus the 49ers. Uh, Do you, do you think the bears, become more competitive without Matt Nagy calling the plays on the sidelines. Yes. Um, Fields is going to have a career day, which isn't saying much. He'll probably have two interceptions instead of three. Uh, uh, it's <laughs> funny you say that. I, one of those Ohio state stands from, from, uh, you know, that I know he, he came to me and he said, Hey, uh, I think, I think Justin Fields is going to do really great this weekend. And I said, yeah, he'll have two picks instead of three. <laughs> so, Yes, it's funny that you say that. Uh, but next, I, I do believe a uh, fan probably purposely got Nagy COVID to, to uh, try to help the team. Yeah, I was just coughing in his direction. <laughs> uh, and the Bears also, they're losing defensive end Khalil Mack. He's not not expected to play versus the 49ers due to a foot injury. He may wind up on IR. Uh, they haven't put him up there yet, but Khalil Mack, down with an injury, could wind up on IR. That's a huge hit for the Bears. And he's he's leading that team in sacks and quarterback pressures, and he's one of the top in the league right now in sacks and quarterback pressures. Khalil Mack, huge loss for the Bears? It is. I mean, he's been a big – even if you don't hear his name very often, Khalil Mack is, is, a, is a defense-changing type player, and that's going to be a massive hit. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Just, just a huge hit. And speaking of game-changing defensive hits um, – Giants safety Jabril Peppers placed on season-ending IR with an ankle injury and a ruptured ACL. This is a huge hit for the Giants here, losing their star safety. Jabril Peppers has been good since he came into Cleveland. Now he's a huge hit, or he's a huge uh, uh, part of the defense over there with the the uh, uh, the Giants. Jabril Peppers, what's your take on him being out for the season? That's gonna be a massive hit. They're they're gonna they're gonna feel that one from here here on out. Yeah, I agree. And I don't, you know, you get you hear something like ruptured ACL, especially out of a defensive back. It makes you curious, uh, you know, how how he's gonna wind up performing, you know, when he gets back. So that's that's gonna be a rough one. 
Uh, the Giants also lost linebacker Lorenzo Carter to an ankle injury in, in Sunday's game. He's considered day-to-day. -day. We don't know if Carter's going to wind up playing, but that's also a huge hit for them. He's one of their best players on defense as well, along with Jabril Pepper. So the Giants ailing on defense, losing some of their best defensive players. I mean, they're just falling apart, aren't they? They're they're falling apart at the seams. Yeah. Uh, and also, so in that game, we, we talked about Sam Darnold. He got benched uh, in, in the loss to the Giants. He's still set to start this week versus the Falcons. Is this Sam Darnold's last game as a starting quarterback for the Panthers? It it might be. But even, at the same time, I don't know what other options they have right now. Yeah, even even against the shoddy Falcons defense? Even against the – well, especially if, if he can't perform against a shoddy Falcons defense, then – you're toast. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. Uh, it's it's just a bad situation over there. Uh, one guy they may be looking at, but it, the rumor has it he might be heading to Washington, Tua Tungabeloa. Trade rumors have him potentially landing in Washington. Uh, do, you, do you think Miami pulls the trigger if they wind up getting to Sean Watson? What do you think the story is there? It's like I was saying, that because they're being smart by asking for all these guarantees, which is good on them, but I don't know they're going to they're gonna get all that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that they will. So I, don't, what, I, I think it's going to fall through. And what do you think the the compensation would be for Tua if he does get traded to Washington? Do you think they get huge compensation for him? I think it's going to be a couple first rounders because of the age. Be, because of the age, because he's still young. He's still got an, arguably because they are fifteen years in him. Yeah, depending on if he develops correctly. Yes, because I mean he he really hasn't developed. Do you and do you think he has as good of a, a rapport with Terry McLaurin as Taylor Heineke has had? I don't that's, know. Yeah, that's the question of the day because because McLaurin has been so good with Taylor Heineke on the field ever since Heineke trotted on there. So that that becomes the issue. I want to see if if the offense still performs at a, at, at a high enough level, you know, without. Tyler Heineke as the starting quarterback over there in Washington. That's that's going to be the issue. Uh, next up, you've got uh, the Bucks tight end Rob Gronkowski returning to practice after fracturing his ribs, ribs, his ribs, his ribs back in week three. Uh, so Gronk coming back to to Tampa. Do you think he plays this Sunday? And how excited do you think Tom Brady is? I think he does play, and I, but I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna be kind of a uh, quiet game back, when the next week will be a blow up. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Uh, another story out of uh, out of Pittsburgh here, Mike Tomlin. We we had that situation. He was he was linked to the USC job by Carson went or, or Carson Palmer recently. Uh, Mike Tomlin comes out and hammers on people over uh, that whole situation, says it's a waste of his time and they don't have booster checks big enough to support bringing him to USC. Gets mad, leaves the podium. Holy moly. I don't think I've ever seen Mike Tomlin that angry before. Have you? I No, I haven't. He, 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 I, you could tell you heard the rumors. He's like, what the hell? I don't got time for this shit. <laughs> so he was so mad. <laughs> So Mike Tomlin, at least we know now, Mike Tomlin will be in the NFL as long as the NFL will have him. 
next up, you've got the Broncos wide receiver Jerry Judy. He's expected to return this Sunday against Washington after suffering an ankle injury a few weeks back. How big? How excited do you think uh, Teddy Bridgewater is to have one of his top weapons back out on the field? I think it's going to be great, but I also think that uh, it's, this is going to be the official move from Jerry Judy to the number two receiver. Yeah, you think Jerry Judy – I think Jerry Judy is the number two, and I don't think he's a number one. We saw him last year. We've seen him this year. I, I don't think Jerry Judy's a number one receiver. I think Sutton's the guy. Yeah, yeah, I think Denver Denver has their guy in Cortland Sutton, and I think they're just going to roll with him. Jerry Judy is uh, – to be honest with you, I, I'm not going to say he is a bust, but he definitely has not lived up to the expectations ever since he got drafted. And you and I both sat here on this very show and said we expected him to have – you know, a great career and whatever the case may be. Yeah. Jerry Judy, I, I, he hasn't lived up to the expectations and I, I think he's going to wind up being a number two receiver at best now. And number three target. Yeah. I think he's, I think he's going to end up being under Fant. Really? That's, that's wow. Yeah. I, I could see it. If Noah Fant, you know, continues to get passes thrown his way, we could see it. Uh, the Broncos also went out and acquired linebacker Kenny Young in a trade with the Rams. They've had a lot of defensive injuries this year. Von Miller's been a little banged up. You know, Bradley Chubb been banged up. What do you think about this move? I, it's it's a good one to make. It was the one they had to make, and it's it's the, it's the smart decision. I think he, Kenny Young can still play. Yeah, Kenny Young's a good linebacker. He was he was really good for the Rams um, in, on several occasions. So, yeah, I think this was a good pickup, and he'll be a good fit over there with the Broncos. But speaking of the Rams, Sean McVay, and, and this is our last news story of the day, Sean McVay comes out and offers, quote-unquote, cautious optimism that running back Cam Akers could be on track to return for the Rams if they make the playoffs. Interesting. That's, that's a real thing. Coming off of a ruptured Achilles. I mean, like, that's, that's pretty ballsy. Uh, and, and he's, he's going to wind up, uh, he, he, if he winds up in the playoffs, do you think the Rams really have a really great shot at making the Super Bowl at that point, at that point? Is that a, is that a big Yes thing? and no. Missing a whole year, just an injury. I, I think Cam Akers is going to need more than just a little bit of time to be as explosive as he's going to eventually be. Right. And we do have a few more injury things as well now that I, I, I got him in front of me here. Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield, he's cleared to play this Sunday versus the Steelers. Do you think this do you think he plays? Do you think he's on a pitch count? I mean, we know he's got a torn left labrum and a shoulder fracture. I don't understand how you can give this guy clearance to play when his job is predicated on his arm strength and he's got Well, a, it is his non throwing, so I guess he, there's that. Yeah, I guess it's that, but still, I, I mean, no, I force him to play. I don't care. I, 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 I have a bet to win that involves Steelers losing. So (laughs) just fucking play him. Just play him. (laughs) Unreal. Two birds, two birds, one stone. I, I win the bet, and Baker gets hurt before playoffs, and so fuck the Browns. Yep. (laughs) We have uh, two more things that have occurred. Uh, Tight end Robert Tanyan last night. He did tear his ACL versus the Cardinals. He, uh, he caught a big, long pass. He, it was a 32-yarder. He gets hit, and uh, we saw him clutching at his knee. It turns out it's a torn left ACL, and uh, he'll be out for the rest of the season. So, uh, yeah, it was a clean tear, they said, with no lateral damage, which is the good news. But still, Robert Tanyan likely out for the year. And, uh, man, that's – you know, I know he hasn't been a, a huge part of the Packers' uh, 
you know, offense this season the way he was last season. But that's still a big hit for them. Bobby Tanyan's a really good tight end in this league, isn't he? He is. He very much is. Yeah, and then he's been a—he's always been a really good red zone threat for for Aaron Rodgers. So there's that. And one other thing, Deshaun Jackson and the Rams mutually agree to seek a trade. The wide receiver will not play this week. They're looking to to find a trade partner for him leading into the trade deadline. Where do you think Deshaun Watson winds up, or Deshaun Jackson rather winds up? Do you think Deshaun Jackson? Uh, you know, is going to be a big hit somewhere. Do you, and what do you think the compensation is for a, what, 34 year old wide receiver who the compensation who, is not much. Yeah. I don't think it's much either. It's a sixth or seventh rounder. Yeah. I'm kind Maybe of a fifth. Do you think he, he makes a huge impact somewhere? He'll get, he'll have one game where he has one reception for 99 yards. And that'll be it. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what, what it, it looks like. But, uh, yeah, Deshaun Jackson currently seeking a trade. So there's that. And uh, that is your news around the league, Tyler. Now we've got one more thing, one more uh, set of business to take care of, and that is our Week 8 predictions. Now, Tyler. Yes, we already went through Thursday night football, so there is that. And I picked the Packers and you picked the Cardinals. That's a big win for me there. Uh, no, you did. <laughs> We both took the Cardinals. We both took the Cardinals. Yeah, and we both got to the surprise of both of us. We got chick can in that one. But currently, uh, I have a two game lead. You did get one back. Oh wow! I got one back. Well, that's a surprise. Um, Well, the uh, the Packers, you know, really, I I I should have. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and and uh, cross them off right now. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, week eight. Are you ready, Tyler? Let's do it. All right. Here are our predictions for week eight in the NFL. Um, starting, We'll start with the first game, Panthers and Falcons. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and go Falcons here. I think I, Sam is cooked. I'm, I'm going Falcons as well. I think the trajectory of uh, momentum is strongly in the Falcons' favor. Yeah, I agree. Uh, next up, you got the Titans and the Colts. I'm going Titans here. Red hot. I think I'm going to follow that hot streak. I'm going with the Titans. This could be a hard game, though, because Colts have also been relatively hot. But I'm going to take the Titans. Yeah, I think I think it's just Derrick Henry going ham. Uh, next up, you got the Bills and the Dolphins. With all the stuff surrounding the Dolphins, you got the Buffalo Bills red hot. I'm going Bills. This is a no-brainer to me. Bills, Bills, Bills. Yep, yep. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Uh, next up, you got the Bengals and the Jets. I'm going with the Bungles here. I think they're not going to bungle this one. They're going to smoke the Jets this week. This is going to be brutal. Oh, yeah. It's going to be Bengals. a nasty. And I'm totally here for it because I have Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon and the Bengals defense all on my team. Uh, next up, you got the Steelers and the Browns. You know, Baker. this one's going to be tough because Baker Mayfield is has not played well this year. They've got a lot of problems. I'm actually going with the Steelers here. I am also going to go Steelers in this case. I think the injury is going to is going to play is going to play big into it. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at. I think the Browns are are falling apart. The, the injury bug has struck them hard. So Steelers, it is. Next up, we got the Eagles and the Lions. This could be the game the Lions squeak out. I I don't know. This it, believe it or not, weirdly enough, it seems like it could be a tight game. I'm still going to go with the Eagles just to be on the safe side, but this could be the game that the Lions get their first win. 
<laughs> it is a tough one, isn't it? I want to take the Lions, but I feel like they're going to make sure they don't just for purposes. <laughs> I'm going to take the Eagles, but I really want to go with the Lions. Yeah, yeah, this that's going to be a toughie. Uh, next up, you got the Rams and the Texans. I'm going with the Rams here. This one's going to be a blowout. Rams all day. Yep. Next up, the 49ers and the Bears. It's going to be uh, what seems like a defensive battle on paper, but I don't know. I'm going to go ahead and say the Niners gonna, are going to get this one, but I still think Khalil Herbert has a big game. 49ers. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, next up, you got the Patriots and the Chargers. I, It's kind of an interesting situation. Chargers coming off a really bad beating. I'm going to go ahead and go with the Chargers. I think they're going to be a little pissed off. I agree out of the bye this is going to be a big one I'm going Chargers you got Chargers yo yep yep I, I, I said that I, I, I got Chargers here uh, next up you got Jags and Seahawks I'm going to go with the Seahawks here well I don't know this could be interesting because <laughs> you, know, you know it's like a habit you know you, you go look at it you go oh Seahawks Russell Wilson this is a no brainer but then there's you got to remember it's Geno Smith <sighs> that is a toughie it is Top- I'm going with the Jags. I am too. <laughs> I'm going with the Jags. I can't believe I just said that. Going with the Jags over the Seahawks. I think James Robinson has a big game. Next up, you got the Bucks and the Saints. This will be an all right one. I'm going with the Bucks here, though. I think uh, you know the, the Saints really are missing Michael Thomas here. And they, they need to have a number one receiver. They just don't have it. Going with the Bucks. Bucks, yeah, all day. So this, that's an easy no-brainer. Yeah. Next up, you've got uh, Washington and Denver. I don't know about this one. Washington is – this one's a tight one. They're two questionable teams. Washington, I think, can handle the Broncos. Kind of tough. I'm still going to go with the Broncos here, but I'm, I'm having my doubts. I'm going to go Broncos here too. I think they're going to not necessarily bounce back but play good enough. Good enough is the key term there. Next up, Sunday night football. You got Cowboys and the Vikings. I'm going to go ahead and uh, see. I don't know if Dak's going to play, but even then, I really have a good feeling about this one. I'm going Vikings here. I think the Vikings will beat the Cowboys. They burned me a bunch of times in the past, but I'm going to go with my boys on this one. See, this one's hard because however it goes is the big difference. I, I think that if Dak plays, Cowboys win by, by 10 or more. I agree. Um, if Dak doesn't play, I think the Vikings win this game. Yep. Um, but if Vikings play red hot, even with Dak, there's the, there's the possibility. So like, I think there's more options here for the Vikings to win this game. So I'm going to go Vikings. Yep, I'm, I'm going Vikings as well. And then last but not least, Monday Night Football, you got the Giants and the Chiefs. This is going to be a bounce-back game for the Chiefs. I'm going with the Chiefs. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to come out pissed, and he's going to light the Giants up like the 4th of July. It's gonna this game, Mahomes in this game is is going to be like it's gonna be like week two Aaron Rodgers. Yep. He's gonna fire him up, pound him into the ground. I'm going with the Chiefs. He's, he's gonna he's gonna finish that game. He's gonna tell the media just relax, and he's gonna smack Jackson Mahomes in the throat. <laughs> he needs to. <laughs> so uh, we got the Chiefs. So and those are your predictions for week eight in the NFL. Tyler, 
like I hate that his name's Jackson Mahomes too. Like listen, all, now all of a sudden, like for years to come, like they're going, they got, they say, all right, Sunday Night Football, it's Jackson Mahomes, let's go, and we're not talking about his brother, we're talking about Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. Let's <laughs> clarify that we're not talking about Captain Dipshit. Yeah, I I really don't like him at all. Dancing on a dancing on a dead man's fucking number and all that stupid shit. Like it's not just that. Like even before that, like all all of the, his the dudes clueless. I mean, you can tell Patrick does not look enthused every time they spot him on TikTok. His, his fiance is no better. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, and I, see, I don't understand the fiance thing either. The fiance is acting like a fool, too, with the with the, the brother. So I don't I don't It's just what the hell is going like, on? His fiance and I'm going to pull a bit of wrestling into this one. Um, His fiance makes uh Matt Stafford's wife when, when she was going off in Detroit look like a saint. For starters, oh, yeah. and oh, yeah. makes and and makes Rebby Hardy seem like a saint. Oh yeah, <laughs> and that's saying something. Everyone, everyone knows about Matt Hardy's wife. She's a nutcase. Yeah, I mean it's it's one of those things where I'm just it's so confusing. It's such a confusing situation. I yeah this this chick she's out of her mind, and so is Patrick Mahomes' brother. Uh, well, it's, it's kind of, it's it's kind of like um Mahomes' fiance is is like a. Uh, Story of what we almost got with Russell Wilson. Oh yeah, going back to the Russell Wilson picture when he got drafted. Oh yeah, crazy girl. <laughs> uh, she 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 thought she just hit the jackpot. That's all that was. Oh, he got drafted, so I got drafted. <laughs> yeah. So, but that's all we got for this week, Tyler. We got uh, week eight coming. We got week seven in the books. Are you feeling some football this Sunday? I'm ready for a nice little vacation for the Ravens, and and they, that way they, they have an extra week to to think about that beating they took and think about how to tackle some players. You, you go to your room and you think about it. Yeah, go about to the, go to the corner. <laughs> so, um, just a quick shout out to our sponsors over at It's Your Time Massage. Check it out, iytmassage.com. Check her out on Facebook. Amanda's a wonderful massage therapist. She does a tremendous job. Uh, iytmassage.com or It's Your Time on Facebook. You can also check out um, over at facekickedapparel.com, our boys at Face Kicked Apparel. Sean is a wonderful, wonderful guy. He does great work as far as all of your T-shirts, hoodies, hats, anything you need. You pick it, he sticks it over at facekickedapparel.com. And Tyler, I'm hoping you have a wonderful Halloween. I hope you have a wonderful Halloween with the with your young man, with your kiddos. My kiddos will be with their mothers this year, so I will just be relaxing and watching some Vikings football on Halloween. So, uh, folks, thank you so much for listening. Hope you all have a wonderful Halloween. Get lots of candy, and we will see you next week right here on the Outside Blitz. Join us soon on the Outside Blitz, and be sure to follow on Facebook at facebook.com backslash the Outside Blitz. And feel free to email us questions at theoutsideblitz at gmail.com.